2: Connecting to the big show. In three, Three, two, two,
1: two, two, one. This is We'll be paid for the Department of Education. and are not going to pay tribute to yourself in the team. That's just
3: not to solve the lineage here. I expect the parents to boycott their children's GAT. We're being hit with energy increases with inflationary increases, left, right, and center.
0: Join the conversation. Call 0818
2: Extra WhatsApp 083 3 96 96 96.
0: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: This is the Opinion line with P-
4: DJ Coogan Yeah, Dermot Kennedy Live in Vegas I tell you what I will also be sending you To Rod Stewart Live at the Marquee Uh, All of this week I have a pair of tickets Every day On the opinion line For Rod Stewart Live at the Marquee Good morning Hope you had a good weekend Lovely day The weather was great for the first bank holiday of 2023. Uh, the first ever February bank holiday, St. Bridges Bank holiday. Thank you to Gareth for Thursday and Friday. We will agree on many things. We will never agree on the start of spring, my friend, but you know that, and I know that too. What a lovely weekend it was. So much to do today uh, in the show. So much to do. We've been talking to the publican who barred Colin Farrell at one stage and is now best friends with him. Um, and we'll be hopping around about the city and county Catching up on stuff that's been happening over the weekend There's the, the Eurovision or the Euro song on Friday night Went exactly as I called it Exactly as I called it I said that I wanted John Lydon to win But I said that I thought Wild Youth would win And in the end that's exactly what panned out That's all to come uh, later but first, I was very surprised and shocked to find out recently that someone I've known for years from the entertainment scene in Cork has been homeless for the last while. And Mukatumi would have been a very popular DJ in all the clubs around town, the Pav for many years and many other clubs and Mukka would have been one of the great vinyl DJs and the rest of us were gone doing CDs and computers and whatever else you have in yourself moka stuck to his vinyl and he was big on his vinyl and he also wanted to open a, a vinyl record shop at one point i know it it never it never happened for him but i was very shocked to discover that uh, mokatumi was homeless morning moka how how did it come about my friend good morning to you Uh
5: yes thank you for t- for taking the call basically um, um, I stayed in my granny's house for, for eight years, and uh, my, she passed away on Forest Street uh, around the COVID time. And uh, I, I basically couldn't find a, a place, and uh, couldn't, I couldn't afford the rent. And um, I ordered a space called APS, and they basically um, put me to Vincent's. I went in there for a while. Lovely people, all good people. very hard to get a job. And long story short, I'm down at B&B in the, the low road. And um, still find it hard to get work And um, because music scene, like, the violin scene, like really uh, quiet. Club scene, all, all the clubs they played like the Savoy's or Henry's, all these kind of places, they're all gone. And uh, all the pubs are they're too expensive for people to go out to socialise. So it's kind of like, it put, it put like I remember when COVID started, they put 200,000 200, people out of work. Like, yeah, yeah. I find it very really hard to get restarted, you know.
4: Yeah, yeah. So you're you're living in a B and B now.
5: In a B and B, yeah, and it's actually lovely. It's I just been fifty a week, but it's through the HAP system. I see. Can't get an apartment anywhere because um, the landlords are all selling. They're they're selling their properties.
4: We're hearing about that, but you're seeing it at, at first hand. People are selling up and getting out.
5: Oh yeah, and um, the, the, the people down where I am in the B&B, right? And Everybody work, every there have jobs. Yeah, they just can't. They can't get spaces. There's one guy; he's making eighty grand a year. He's a good friend of mine, and he can't get a place.
4: Wow! He's, he's
5: got a ser- he's got a serious job. I, I queued up twice, um, DJ. So view, um, I uh, am um, like a house share. Yeah, I counted forty people in front of me, and I was like, "Jesus, sir, I, I'm not working. I like, I, I can't afford this. I've, I've had nobody can take Catholic, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and like, there's eighty three thousand houses out there, are derelict in the whole country of Ireland.
4: It's more than that, actually. According to figures in the paper, it's it's more than that. Yeah, yeah.
5: Okay, well, it's it's gone up. So, but that's that's the last. Uh, um, Statistics so I, I was told, you know. But anyway, long story short, um, like this conversation could, could go on for a day, man. Like, like what, what I'm seeing at the moment because I'm I'm living very close to the, the city centre. I'm walking the streets of city centre every day. I um I used to do posters and flyers and and everything for loads of different companies all over town. Yeah. And uh, I'm seeing people that I used to know very well, and they're begging. And I, I, thankfully, I, have, I haven't had to beg yet. But the way things are going, oh Jesus! another six months, I, I like I, I'll have to beg. you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I don't want to go down that road, like you I know. I
4: know. And there's no sign of a bit of work, is there? You were very successful and very busy in the music scene. Yeah, yeah, to- yeah. And totally. Yeah. And, lost, and lost it all through COVID and everything else. Yeah. And, and have you no prospect of work now? What's the story?
5: Well. I've, I'm after doing eight courses since I got into the the, 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 the homeless situation through Simon. I, I could not say anything bad about them. The the people at Vintons were brilliant people. I was offered a place in the Commons by APS, who are the, the people that organize homeless people to different B&Bs yeah, or, yeah. To or to Vincent's or to their park. And they, I was actually in a taxi on the way out there and they rang me and said, uh, "Mucka, I know the girl. She's got to my gigs. I won't name her name. Blah blah blah." She said, "Mucka, we're after giving the your your apartment to a family it was, it was the family room." I said, "That's no bother. Have you got somewhere for me?" "Yeah, we got a, a, a nice b and I said, right. "That's that's all right. Thank you very much for that. And um, I've been very happy down there. But what I see when I'm walking through town by night, which we're going to get to next." It's absolutely horrific. With the 19, and that kind of age group is horrible.
4: What What are you seeing?
5: Uh, young boys, and young girls, offering themselves for sex for five or to ten euros for um, for sex. Good. Just lot. so they can get, um, so they can get um, uh, synthetic drugs. The drugs you buy off the internet are are a, a bit of um, heroin. Wow. And I, I, I would tell you. I've taken drugs in the past, and I, I've come from a background which there've been drugs taken, and 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 in that kind of people. So I know exactly what drugs are, and I don't take them. I did years and years ago. So I know what they're going through. They're 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 addicts. I I never became an addict, but I I know it. I know I I know what they're going through.
4: You, you did spend all those years being part of Corks. Nighttime economy has it changed, Muka? Since you are actually working, and since you were out working the clubs, has do you think the streets have changed?
5: The streets have gotten so rough now. It's you want to get out of town before it gets dark. But they're selling uh, drugs, which are just to uh, to make money for um for for more drugs, but different different types. So there there's these um satanic folks there. I don't know. I don't know where they come from, where they're made, and uh, you can, you get them for twenty euro, and um, and people just take five of them to get just out of their treat. Right. Well, my main problem was when I when when I've been offered sex by 19 eighteen, nineteen-year-olds, boys and girls.
4: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Now you're you're a man of what age, Mocha? I'm 42. 42. So, and you're saying that these teen, teenagers are coming up and offering you yeah. sex to feed their drug habit.
5: Yeah. 100%. I've a dead sister uh, since nineteen eighty-two, and I, I swear on her lady no, right no,
4: now. believe you. I believe you. It's very bleak.
5: See, I, I'm an open book. I've I, 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 I no problem with saying this stuff, Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have no problem whatsoever. And and nobody can call me a lawyer because it's it, it's it's actually true.
4: It's very scary.
5: Scary? sort uh, sure even Italy. we're we're in based down Horgan's Keep. there's a big fancy hotel and there's loads of side lanes down there and there's a lot of lot of heavy drug use down there. See what happens is um PJ in, in the Cork Simon it's got nightlife and that's yeah. basically the last resort.
4: That's right, that's right? right.
5: And where I was in Vincent's there's a there used to be two T V rooms and now the second one is now, this, I, I call it the second nightlife. Yeah. That's the same as the Simon.
4: How do you feel about the society in which you found yourself the way you found yourself?
5: One word disaster. Yeah. And I, I've no problem with um, people coming to Ireland, like, you know, everyone's blamed the Ukrainians for taking over accommodation, whatever. I mean, everybody, everybody needs need a chance to. Get a helping hand.
4: You have no problem welcoming people in from other countries.
5: No, no. not at all. But
4: you're wondering. But you're wondering what's no. there. What? What? Who's going to help me? Is what you're wondering, right?
5: Well, I'm, I'm trying. I, I, I'm literally would like. I'm. I'm still very strong, very fit. I. I want to open a record store because um, they got like ten thousand what, ten thousand euro worth of vinyl, and I want to start the vinyl shop. And there's a lot of prominent business people in town said, come back to me at the end of january which i did and they said mucca do you know what our, our um, electricity bill was for Christmas in certain venues mm. uh, w- one place was 16 grand so we, we we can't we can't um uh, have more electricity being run out of uh, anywhere so like am so like like I, I like i'm not completely skinned and I have the stock and I want to open it because everybody's playing vinyl again. Yes. It's huge.
6: Yeah,
4: yeah. I
5: just don't have an outlet. I don't have an outlet, literally.
4: I know. I know. Do you see your do you see do you see things getting any better for you anytime soon?
5: Put it this way. I never I never give up and I won't give up. But it but it but if anybody walks through town, PJ and have a good walk around town, all you're gonna see is too late, too late, too late. It's like back in two thousand eight when the when the crash happened. It's the same thing. Everything's everything's closed down.
4: I know. I know, I know. it's fairly bleak.
5: It's scary, man. Like like people think, oh yeah, Ireland is the second or second our the richest country in Europe for population. We're gonna have some serious recession by the end of this year, man. Yeah. Mm. Big time. People don't realise it.
4: It's fairly bleak, all right. Look, I'll, I'll leave you to it, man, and I wish you well. It's very sad to hear someone I knew from the nighttime scene years ago in the States that you're in.
5: I'm not finished at all. I, 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 I've i it a few times. Like I'm, I, I'm not giving up. It's just, at at the moment, it's just, like, if someone offered me if someone offered me a job right now for like 500 quid a week in some warehouse or factory, I'd go do it because I, I need to make money.
4: Yeah, I know. I wish you well. And I, and I hope it turns around for you soon
5: and thank you um, for accepting the call and and, and uh, etc
4: yeah, <laughs> thanks thanks Mooka, that's sad and he's a guy, the, the irony of all this is he's a fellow who has raised thousands of euro um, for doing promotions and an awful lot of it was for homeless charities over the years and he finds himself now in that position himself <clears throat> Mooka Toomey me 0818 96, 96, 96. Remember on Friday, Gareth was talking to Ken Smollin about this email he'd received from a woman who was in Dire Straits out around Blarney Way. And she'd found Ken and she'd written to him and he was trying to get help to her. And then Katrina Toohey got involved and they were trying to get some support for her. Well, I talked to her and I will be talking to her later in the programme. We caught up over the weekend, we did a chat, two of us, and I will be speaking with her later this morning uh, to find out more about her situation. It is heartbreaking, and we're doing our best to get more help for her. That is coming. 0818 96 96, 96.
2: Dermot Kennedy, live in Las Vegas, May 19th.
0: So kiss me the way there with Cork's 96FM.
2: Paradise. It's just the most beautiful sport from home, so thank you so much.
0: Return flight.
2: Five nights in Vegas.
0: Spending money.
2: And tickets to see.
0: Dermot Kennedy. We used to be dead.
2: Listen to Cork's 96FM weekdays for the hits of Dermot Kennedy.
0: Every time they play, text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Once upon a time, I
2: Kennedy, live in Las Vegas.
0: Stay listening to see him for free. Thank you for supporting his
2: music. Starts Monday on Corks ninety six. Join the conversation.
0: Call us now. 0818 96, 96, 96 This
2: is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Corks ninety six FM.
4: Oh, she's there now, is she, lads? Okay, let let us um let us remind you of the email that Gareth read on Friday that had been sent to Ken Smollin Ken Smollin the homeless campaigner he's he's based up the country but he can get help to you pretty much wherever he is which is fantastic Uh, but this is a message that had been sent to him from a woman in dire straits in uh, the Blarney area is all we're saying Hi Ken, I'm so embarrassed texting you this message but I am desperate I'm living in Blarney County Cork I'm renting privately My landlord won't accept HAP. My rent is 750 a month for a two-bedroom house. I've been struggling for a while now, but this month is the worst. My rent is due tomorrow, so I'll have to go without food for me and the kids in order to keep a roof over their heads. The house is so damp and cold, but it's all I can get, and it's all I can afford right now. I'm actually sitting here, crying my eyes out while I write this message. I don't want people knowing my name, as I've never been as embarrassed as I am right now. I feel like a complete failure to my kids, knowing they're hungry and I can't feed them. I'm attaching pictures of one of the small bedrooms to show the damp conditions that we live in. It needs extra heating to heat it up, which means more debt for me. Sorry for ranting on about this. If you could point me in the direction of anyone who could help us, I would be forever grateful. That was the message that she sent to Ken Smollin and you know how it panned out with Gareth on Friday over the weekend I was able to make contact with this woman uh, her name is Susan and uh, and she joins me now uh, Susan g- good morning to you
7: good morning Peter. I was flicking through Facebook and I came across Ken's page a number of weeks ago it took me, I've written out that message to Ken so many times. Yeah. I just was so embarrassed. I didn't want to send it. And eventually I had to send it the other night because I no longer had any food for my kids as my rent was due. So it was either pay the rent or buy foods. If I paid the rent, then I was out on the streets with two small kids and nowhere to go. So I, I text Ken and Ken immediately got back to me
4: and he was talking to Gareth on Friday and I'm delighted that you're in a position to talk to me today. Tell me a little bit about your circumstances as much now or as little as you want to share.
7: So I'm a single mother with two boys and I'm living in the Blarney area. I can't find any proper accommodation so I'm in... A house in Blarney, and it's very, very damp. Like I showed, one man came to my need last night, and I showed him the bedrooms, and I showed Ken pictures of the room. The water is running off the walls. There's black down the side of the bed. I've cleaned it multiple times, but as quick as I clean it, it's coming back out. Yeah. My kids' clothes is destroyed and jammed. My own clothes is destroyed and jammed. I'm a very bad asthmatic, so my chest is one time ago, my blue ventilator inhaler, it helped when I get a wheeze, but it don't help anymore. So I had two kids sleeping in the bed with me because they're so cold. The radiator in my room is broke. There's no heating in my room. It's like it was an extension built onto the house. So it's a damp extension. Okay. I, have, I rang up threshold and because I have no contract, she was to give me a contract when I moved in, but I never got this contract. I rang up Threshold Anonymous and they told me but without a contract, I'm actually a guest inside her house.
4: Yeah, I guess that pays rent.
7: Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. If I went into a hotel, I'd be paying to stay in the hotel and they could ask me to leave at any time.
4: Yeah. You're eligible for HAP?
7: I'm eligible for 1400 Okay. I was in with the homeless crowds in the city and they taught me that they have no emergency accommodation available that suit me and the kids. If I was on my own, they'd put me into the Simon community. Right. But because I have the kids, there's nothing they can do.
4: And how old are the kids, Susan?
7: Uh, Three and four.
4: Oh, so they're only small babies, really?
7: Uh, They're only babies.
4: (laughs) So, so they've told you that they have nothing for you at the, the homeless Yeah, offices. they've told
7: me on a number of occasions. It's not that I've sat back. I've been in there over and over again. Oh, and I'm not originally from Clark, so I'm told to go back to my own hometown. That's not an option. I can't go back to my own hometown. I was fleeing domestic violence, so I can't go back to my own hometown.
4: Okay. I was going to ask you why, but you've told me. Yeah. So... Your your rent is seven fifty a month. How how do you raise that money? Is it through welfare?
7: Between my my social welfare and my children's allowance.
4: Okay. You just about get there.
7: Yeah, and I have one friend like she lives in Blarney and she helps with my children some days like if she can't help too much because she has three kids herself But if she's putting on a bit of a dinner for her kids my kids will get eat with her kids and bring them up to her house a good bit to get them out of the cold and the dampness
4: that's a good friend you have
7: yeah she's brilliant
4: how do you manage for heating and for lighting
7: I have an electric heater, a small electric heater that my friend's dad actually got for me when I moved in here and the lighting, I have a small lamp and we just use it when we need to use it.
4: And who pays for the electricity, do you have to pay?
7: I pay my 750 a month rent and then I have to pay an extra $100 on top of that for electricity.
4: 100 a month and that's paid directly to the landlord, yeah? Yeah. So really, your rent is eight fifty a month. Yeah. I know that Gareth spoke to Ken on Friday, um, and since he did, you've had so many offers of help.
7: Yeah, the generosity of people—it's like a really, really overwhelming me so much. Of food and the want to send electricity and money and but I wouldn't I told them I, I don't I'm not in it for money I've just reached out to Ken for food and like I just want to sh- wear awareness just trying even if it was only a two-bed house even if it was only a one- bed house that it wouldn't be damp conditions I know. just for me and my children even if it was just another shared bedroom just somewhere that we can say okay we're going in here and we're not gonna get sick out of this. Because if I get sick with the dampness over being an asthmatic, then my kids, I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. I know. If I'm no longer able to look after them, Tussle will end up stepping in with my kids, and that's not going to help either one of us. I
4: know. It's a heartbreaking situation, Susan, it really is.
7: I feel like a complete failure. My mental health is all over the place. So many times I've contemplated suicide. But I know then I have to be strong for the kids. I have to continue on for the kids. But it's horrible like to sit back when you hear two little babies telling you that they're hungry and you haven't got the food to feed them. How do you tell them, like, you, you can't eat? I don't have it. And as boys, it's like they're always hungry.
4: Yes. Yes, boys are always hungry. That's the truth. That's the truth.
7: When you're like looking at them and saying, you couldn't be hungry again. There's days I often went two days, three days not eating just so that my kids can eat. I can survive a lot better, but a baby, a three and four year old, they can't survive without food. A man reached out to me through Ken's post. He actually brought a diffuser thing that sucks up mould and water. And I showed him the conditions of the room and that. And I texted him last night. And last night was the first night in a very, very long time that I could put my head on the pillow and sleep without worrying about food this morning because I had food to get up this morning. I had a breakfast to put on the table for my children.
4: And is that through the generosity that's come in?
7: Yeah, yeah.
4: Isn't that fantastic, though?
7: Yeah, It, it just... It gives you hope that there's still good people out there that still wants to help each other.
4: Well, there are good people out there, Susan. You're one of them. Remember that. Don't ever forget that.
7: Yeah, but it just doesn't feel like
4: that. I know know that. (laughs) Now, Katrina Toomey was also talking to Gareth on Friday. Um, Have you spoken to her yet?
7: No, not off yet, but it is on the cards to uh, reach out to Katrina. I've heard the work Katrina does, and it's amazing, like, the work the woman does.
4: You're looking to get a little place. You have three- and four-year-old boys, so you don't need a whole lot of space. You just need somewhere that's warm and dry.
7: Yeah. As I said, if I just got a bedroom, the kids can stay in the bedroom with me as long as it's warm and dry.
4: And the fact that you're eligible for HAP, when you go and say that to some potential landlord, will they accept the HAP off you?
7: No. A lot of landlords that I rang up on daft.ie and different sites for rental sites, they won't accept the HAP. And I don't see why, because they're guaranteed, heat, they rent every month because it's going directly into their bank accounts. But there's nothing I can do about that.
4: I know. You are registered with the homeless services in town, and, and they said to you, go back now in case I'm wrong, they said to you...
7: Go back to my hometown.
4: Go back to your hometown. And that's just not an option.
7: No, it's not an option. for Due to domestic violence, PJ, it's not. I'm four years in Cork, and like if I thought it was an option for me to go back to where I'm from, where my family's from, and where I was brought up all my life, I'd be long gone back. The first time that I got into a bit of financial difficulty, I'd be long gone back. But I know that for me and my children's welfare, I can't go back.
4: You'd be putting yourself in danger. Yeah. So, having had Ken and Katrina speak to Gareth on Friday, and I'm very happy that you're talking to me now. If someone has a place, you're, you're reaching out, you're pleading here, aren't you, Susan?
7: I'm just pleading that if it's just a bedroom, if it's anything, just as long as it's dry and not damp, like the man came to my house taught me that, I'm in danger of the roof falling in on top of me inside this bedroom.
4: Have you got a doctor, a GP, that, that can write a letter on your behalf?
7: <laughs> I have a doctor. I've been to the doctor every second week. From Ventolin inhalers, steroids, steroid inhalers. I was never on a steroidide inhaler. I was on a Ventolin inhaler, but not that often. I know. Uh, my four-year-old, he's on a Blue and Ventolin inhaler now, and he's also on a Singular Gramlet that he has to take at night time to keep his earways open.
4: Oh, dear me. You're totally in the wrong place, the three of you.
7: Yeah. So it's just every day is a constant worry, when is the kids going to get sick? When am I going to get that sick that I'm no longer able to look after the kids?
4: And you worry is that you'd end up unable to care for them and they'd be,
7: you could lose them? Yeah. And I Like I feel, I feel them enough of not being able to give them a proper home and have food on the table as many times as they need it without end up being very sick and not able to care for them and them being took away from me altogether, as bad as things are we still have each other
4: Yes, you do you do Well, now that I've been speaking to you, Susan, if anybody can help you by coming through us we'll sort that out too.
7: Thanks very much Peter.
4: You've talked to Ken, Ken is a miracle worker Katrina, when you speak to her, you'll realise, and there's nobody, and I'm telling you, there's nobody knows the housing situation and how to get something better than Katrina to me. Nobody. Yeah. The food is starting to come. You've got food now, haven't you?
7: Yeah. Good. There's a lady then that done online shopping, but it won't be delivered till tomorrow. Okay. So I have food and I have electricity. I have my heater and I have my kids. All I need is a dry place
4: OK Susan people are listening to you now thank you for speaking to me if, if anything comes through we'll sort it out for you or we'll get it sorted out for you
7: Thank you Peter and Peter I just want to take this opportunity to thank Ken from the bottom of my heart and all the people that reached out and they're generous
4: Let me tell you something that's only the start if a place can be found if anyone listening to us now can help to find you a place they can call me straight away and we'll get the ball rolling on that.
7: Thanks very much.
4: Have the best day you can. And that's how I'll put it.
7: I will, Peter. Thanks very much. And
4: look after. Hug, hug your two kids. I
7: will.
4: Susan, thank you.
7: Thank you very much.
4: Cheers. Cheers. She's in such a... Such dire straits. And she, she's still just... Chat away. Quite happy to chat to me when I finally made contact with her. That's Susan. Who wrote to Ken Smullen, and Ken Smullen was on the show on Friday. That is the reality in which some people are living. Kate says, Shame that a girl like that's left in such a state with her kids. The landlords of this country need to have a bit more heart. And then Mary writes to say, PJ, God love that poor woman and her babies. What a sad existence. I just got an electricity bill of 950 euro. Take away the subsidy, the 200, and I'll pay 750. We've done nothing different. Last year's bill was €350 for the same amount of units, the same period. My husband and I both work, so we will be able to pay for this. But the country's a joke now. What are the government going to do about that poor woman, Susan? I really feel this government is failing its people. The electricity crisis will kill people. It already is, probably, says Marie or or Mary. Yeah, we had another bill last, last week. Our utilities set me back or have set me back just over a grand or just under a grand rather in the month of January. They would always be expensive in the month of January but they've doubled. They've doubled on last year. It's 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 mad. Absolutely mad. And then you've Susan who's been charged €100 Euro a month for electricity by her landlord on top of the 750 rent that she's paying to stay in a damp, cold, wet place. She sent me the same pictures that she sent to Ken. And the place is just mildew and damp and mould everywhere. So if we can help her, if anybody can help her, then then help her we will. 0818 96 96 96. You guys remember- drive home weekdays from four
0: on quirks 96 FM so the bosses here at the station want me to get more creative in these ads so they've drafted in this cool new AI program to really sell the show you know artificial intelligence so here goes
8: do you like listening to songs you think are good Lorraine plays lots of them every day on the large commute to your abode Uh, it's
0: called the big drive home but anyway
8: do you enjoy competitions that make you go woohoo when you win a prize Lorraine has those too ah come on don't miss the chance to make your commute entertaining and enjoyable. Don't drive home without Lorraine.
0: There you go, you heard the man. Er, robot things. Make sure you're with me every weekday from 4.
2: The Big Drive Home, Cork's 96FM.
0: <laughs> Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
2: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM.
4: Now, I will give you Ken Smollin's number again in a minute, because he's kind of coordinating everything for Susan, because it was to him she went first. So he's happy to take calls for anybody who wants to offer some bit of help uh, along the way. But if it's happening in Blarney or the Blarney area, there ain't much goes past uh, Kate Durant. Kate, good morning. You, you've had a chat to talk to Susan, our chance to talk to Susan over the weekend, have you?
9: Yeah, I did, PJ. Thank you. Thanks very much to you and to Ken for highlighting it and Katrina, of course, as always. I spoke to Susan, lovely lady, as you heard. It's heartbreaking. There are so many Susans out there with so many different stories Um, and her situation is dire. She is now getting help. She was okay for the weekend, thanks to the generosity of people. She had food, she had heat, she had light, but it's, it's just not about getting over the weekend, is it?
4: Need to get her out of there, if we can.
9: Yeah, she needs to get out of there, and and we need to. I mean, I I. I. I'm very involved with Vincent de Paul as you know and one of the big things with Vincent de Paul is trying to keep people in housing before this happens Mm -hmm. Um, so we work we work long and hard with people to stop them reaching homelessness um, if we can because once you do become homeless it's so hard to climb out of that as we've heard from Susan earlier you know people don't want to take HAP um, people don't want to and and I suppose as well we've got the supply issue at the moment and that's that's not an excuse for anybody or any housing authority or corporation Mm -hmm. we just don't seem to have the supply at the moment.
4: Yeah. She, she said that then when she goes to report herself into homeless serviceness, they they, they they say, go back to your own hometown. She can't.
9: No, she can't. And I think if we've learned nothing else in the last few years, especially during COVID, it's the impact of domestic violence. And I think um, local authorities dealt very well with that during COVID, accepting that, for, uh, that home isn't necessarily the safest place for a lot of people, sadly. Um, I think... Susan, I'm going to talk to her again um later on today. And she probably needs to present herself as homeless because essentially she is this mm. isn't a home for her. This isn't this isn't long term, mm. it's not even short term sustainable. It is a roof over her head. There, there is the
4: kind of attitude though, sometimes isn't there, Kate, when people go into the services, Well Will you do have a place to stay tonight, so that's that's so, that tends so, to be yeah, the attitude. I,
9: yeah, and this, this is the chicken and the egg, isn't it? That to, to help people, they need to declare themselves homeless, which is adding strain onto the system. Whereas if we could recognise that, that you will be homeless, you would be homeless, only you're tolerating a situation that we don't want you to tolerate, either by staying in a family home, which is intolerable, or in the circumstances Susan spoke about this morning. Um, if we could start to recognise that, as opposed to making people, I suppose, prostate themselves as homeless mm. and, and put themselves into worse situations so we can then start to make it better. Because obviously that, that's just making it harder for everybody. First and foremost, the people who are suffering and all the services that try to wrap around to stop this happening in the first place.
4: What is the situation with supply in that general area?
9: Oh, I, th- I think, I think, I don't think things have ever been so dire. Um, I don't like the landlords, we're seeing small landlords leave the market all the time, mm-hmm. and much as they've been berated, we're now realizing really how much we needed them. Um, there are, I think, in the Blarney area, I think there's up to 5,000 houses, when I say the Blarney, or the greater Blarney area, mm-hmm. that are being held up at the moment due to objections to planning and judicial reviews etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think you can multiply that throughout the country yeah. and you know we keep being told this that none of us want anyone to be homeless we don't want our own families to be homeless we don't want susan to be homeless yet when planning goes up um, i i don't know do we do we need to change our mindset and be a little bit more generous about mm-hmm. allowing um houses to be built not in a higgledy-piggledy fashion obviously there's got to be services there's got to be schools there's got to be roads, there's got to be infrastructure but if we keep on objecting to everything I don't know where Susan and the many many Susans out there I don't know where they're going to end up
4: Katrina Toomey said on Friday that the past 10 days the previous 10 days before that had been the worst she has ever seen for food poverty strong words coming from a woman like Katrina and people are getting electricity bills up 60 or 70%. Some of them doubled on, on what they were this time last year. Like, are we surprised, Kate, that people can't afford food?
9: no in fact I'm amazed that, that there's not more people falling through the cracks in fact I think there are we just don't hear from them I mean uh, in the last 12 months in Vincent de Paul our calls have been up 20% so we re- received and this is just in Cork now 16 and a half thousand calls from people looking for assistance and nobody rings Vincent de Paul lightly nobody wants to look out for to reach out for help I mean we heard Susan you know she's a dignified person yet she kept reassuring her. she's she's you and me she's just in this difficult situation in life she's got as much to offer as anybody has you You know, um, we traditionally, through Winston Paul, look after 1,400 families a month. But in the lead up to Christmas, the month in Christmas, we looked after 5,000 families, either to pay bills or to keep them in their homes or to give someone a bus ticket so they can actually get to school. We put food on the table. We we fed 2,500 families so they could actually have a family Christmas at home and put a turkey on the table. And uh, we do that with 800 families throughout Cork every 800 people throughout Cork every week as well. That's mm-hmm. on top of what Katrina Toomey and other agencies are doing. So I've certainly, uh, you know, I'm no harbinger of doom. Um, I'm all about trying to find the, the bright side, but it's very hard at the moment okay. to find the bright side in this.
4: As long as the price of energy continues to be the way to wisdom. There's the message I had this morning from Mary, who said they just got an electricity bill of 950. Oh God! Take off the 200. That's 750, last year it was 350, now look, both of them are working, they'll find the money, you know, and, and there are peop- people like that, Ooh, both of us are working, we- we'll find the money. But f- what about someone who has only got one ordinary job or maybe no job,
9: where are well, they, they going to find they- this money? well they won't will they that's the thing and that's where you know we're, we're really wanting people to reach out for help like don't wait until you get to a situation where you're being I know they don't cut people off traditionally but where you're in fear of being cut off or where you can't feed your children we want people to reach out Vince to follow that all the time they can ring Tucky Street they'll get the number online it's four two seven zero four four four. they can go online to svp.ie but please reach out please don't let it get any further than you need to there is no shame in reaching out. We're all on one side. We've all needed help at a certain stage in our life and will again, you know, in different ways. And that's all we are as a community. You know, we've got to make sure that we're all doing okay as much as we can. And this is why food poverty is such a big thing because as Susan so eloquently put it, you've got to pay your rent, otherwise you're homeless. You've got to keep the lights on for the children. So the only thing you can cut out out on then is food. Yes, Um, and with with two
4: boys aged three and four,
9: ah, you
8: you
4: can't feed them. They're
9: They'd eat no, the table. Of course they would. And I've no doubt what's happening as it is in any house because this is what parents do, isn't it? The boys are being fine. The boys, she's cuddling up to them in bed. She's making them think everything's fine. It's all a game. They're being well fed. And then poor old Susan, I'd say, is crying her eyes out when they go to bed with nothing to eat. Yeah. Yeah. you know so we've got we've got to you know if anybody is struggling at the moment in cork there are so many good people out there as you quite rightly point out katrina toomey is there ken smullen who's a million miles away but doing fabulous work but ring vincent de paul let us talk you um agent uh energy provider for you let us help you let it let us stop you getting to the stage where you just can't go on anymore we are there
4: yeah yeah and and you can do things okay thank you and i know that now that you're Taking care of Susan as it were. She's in very good hands and and you'll stay in touch with her. We and will. See. We'll
9: make sure she doesn't fall through the cracks as much oh. as is possible. And thank you for airing this. It's so important, it's Ed, because we can't help if we don't know about it. So much appreciation to you all as always.
4: Cheers. Kate, thank you. That's Kate Durant. 0818 96 Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Kevin, good morning.
10: Hi, good morning, Peter. How are you?
4: Good. What would you like to say, sir?
10: Uh I, I just I just find it it's a bit of a joke really isn't it I I think doesn't Ireland pay like some of the highest tax in all of Europe and yet we've very little to show for ourselves from this from the government yeah. every every single time I'm, I'm I listen to you every morning like so most mornings I'm hearing you with all these unfortunate sad stories and sad times for all these local people and it's always a good-hearted person to save them but that's the job of the government is it not you know. Like, we are paying the highest taxes for these people to take care of us, yet they're leaving us and people like, it was it Susan, in, inside in a mouldy house with her two little tiny kids. And my sister was the same. She's outside, outside in, in County, just on the border between Cork and Limerick, and her house was quite the same. She couldn't stay there throughout the winter because it was so cold. She had to come up to my mother's place. And my mother's place was overcrowded then with, you know, and, and it's put stress on the entire family all the way back, and it trickles down. But it's us that suffer. But it's us that still go out every morning at six in the morning until six and seven in the afternoon, work our lives away, pay for all the taxes, pay for absolutely everything, pay extortionate prices on everything you buy, everything you sell, everything. And we've nothing to show for it except for uh, our overpriced houses. And then the prices that we're paying for these houses are mouldy, you know? know. And we've nothing to say, no one to go to, no one to give out to except for PJ in the morning. So hoping that some good-hearted person will hear us and save us. Because the government aren't. And uh, and, uh, we should be focusing our anger and our our energy straight at the government and giving them no choice or get them out of
4: office. You talk about taxes, and I've been saying it for years here, I I get my my wages once a month and I get mugged, literally mugged by the taxman. So does my wife, mugged. And you're wondering, where the bloody hell is it going?
2: Yeah,
10: I, I, I honestly don't know I don't see any new schools new hospitals every single area in all of these places schools hospitals housing there's crises in all sections why? because we should have been pumping our taxes into them all along and now we've no money well, no taxes and now we're coming into a recession and we've still nothing to show for it but mm. the EU is doing fine like, our government are getting paid very very well to take in all of these Ukrainians as well it's not like they're just opening the doors and saying come on in and we'd pay mm. for it EU are paying them to do it
4: but- and, and and the economy is in a position where we have a 6 billion euro surplus so, so, so that's sitting there and admittedly has to be kept for a rainy day but you then ask well how much rain do you need to see before you start spending that money
10: I, I do. I honestly feel like that there should be a massive inquiry brought in to find out exactly how much money the government take in on an annual basis, and exactly how much money they spend out, and to see exactly where it's going. To have full transparency, because I guarantee it if we were to truly know exactly where all of our taxes are really going, I'd fairly short that there's a lot of us that would get up there and say no more. Like,
4: yeah, yeah. And and the, the sad part is, Kevin, that I'm nine years doing this programme now, and I'm another God knows how many years before that, meeting people like Susan out on the road, and it doesn't change.
10: It doesn't, and that's the thing. As a, as a matter of fact, it just seems to get worse and worse, and they'll, they'll tell you that they're, they're doing all they can to change it, but they're clearly not. They're like, doing a little bit and making you feel like it's a lot, but it has no effect whatsoever on whatever they're doing.
4: Well, when Katrina Toomey says it's the worst she's ever seen in terms of food poverty, and that woman has seen everything. And Kate, whom I know for many years, Kate's seen it all too. When They're both saying this is the worst they have ever seen. And look, we appreciate the 200 quid knocked off the ESB bill. I I was very grateful to see that knocked off mine the other day. It didn't make it any less of a stinker of a bill.
10: No, because it went up by an extra 500, you know what I mean? I mean, look, look
4: at Mary's one there. This time last year, her bill was €350 Euro. for, admittedly, December and January would be about the biggest electricity bill of most people's year, correct? Yep. The 350 she paid last January. And even with the discount now, she'll pay 750 That's more than doubled. And, and yep. she's a, in a house with, with two incomes. They can sustain that. Yeah, but like that, that. what about someone who can't?
10: I, it's insane. And again, when you're looking at the rent in places like this, what they started doing was instead of charging you for a house, they started charging you for a room. So now, if you have three bedrooms, that's three incomes, that's three rents that could be gone out. So sort they're of charging you 1,500 euros. And and like, who can afford this? Like for like, I was working for a long time there, and my average wage was around two to two and a half grand a month. Mm. If I'm paying out 1,200 euros a month or 1,500 euros a month. On my on my rent, that leaves extremely little to pay my tax or to pay my uh, my electricity and my gas and my diesel and my insurance and food and and food and feed my child and get her to school and and any books or a little holiday. God God forbid I even wanted a break from this glorious existence that we have. You know, I uh, I just I just I just get so stressed out when I hear about it all the time because every single morning it's a good-hearted person that saves the day. Yeah. And it could be the government making the call and saying, my God, I can't believe she's in that tyre straight. Let us sort it. You know, yeah. and
4: where are they hiding? Not... Yeah, Kevin, great call. Thank you for it. 0818 96, 96, 96. There is a tyre and part of a car in the middle of the road on the N25 heading towards Cork from Middleton just after the little island off-ramp. The person who got in touch with us isn't sure who to contact it's going to cause an accident. That's a tire and a bit of a car in the middle of the road on the N twenty five, heading towards Cork from Middleton, just after the Little Island Ramp. Thank you for that. O eight one eight ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six. We have a giveaway this week. Courtesy of our friends at Aiken Promotions, live with the Marquee, presenting Rod Stewart, Tuesday, June 20th. The tickets go on sale. On Thursday at 9, but I have a pair a day to give away. So, here's a clip from a Rod Stewart interview. And there's a word missing, and I want you to tell me what the word is. Text to WhatsApp the answer and your name to 083 396 96 96. We'll draw a winner before quitting time today. So, what word has we bleeped out here from a Rod Stewart interview?
11: You know, being a Celtic supporter, it's funny, I played in I kicked the ball out, and a woman broke her finger and she happened to be the Celtic women's goalkeeper. <laughs> Once in a million times.
4: Now you have to think about that and see what word have we scratched out there.
11: You know, being a Celtic supporter, it's funny. I played in game. I kicked the ball out, and a woman broke her finger and she happened to be the Celtic women's goalkeeper. <laughs> Once in a million times.
4: All right, so what word have we blanked out? The word and your name, please, O eight three three ninety-six ninety-six ninety-six, and we'll draw a winner at the end of the show. PJ, why don't you go into government? I don't think you'd do much better. They're in dire straits in the UK too. Yes, they are. And I am unelectable. There I wouldn't first of all, wouldn't join any party that'd be stupid enough to have me as a member. It's an absolute true. They're in dire straits. In the UK, funny how it's always good people saving everyone. Do not realize that's the government's job. If you weren't able to do your job properly, you'd be fired. The government aren't doing their job and they get a bonus. Tis we are the fools.
0: The minds are live. Join the conversation Call 0818 969696.
2: Text or WhatsApp
0: 083 3969696 Email opinion at 96fm.ie This
2: is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
4: FM. Okay, I'll come back to Kate uh, and to uh, Susan and to other people uh, a little bit later on. You can... Contact Ken Smullen directly if you want to help Susan. He's kind of coordinating everything at the moment, and his number, uh, should you want to contact him, is oh eight five one four three two eight nine eight. That's oh eight five one four three two eight nine eight. Or look him up on Facebook and message him there. Just tell him you were listening to us talking about Susan and Blarney and uh, he is doing his level best to help her with everything that she's going through. But I will come back to loads and loads of your comments and your contributions to this and I promise I'll come back to them. I want to start off our second hour though with some sad news. found out this morning of the death of a man called over the weekend, a man called John X. Miller. A man I met several times a year, always enjoyed his company. He was great fun wonderful fun to be around. He was very involved with the Vision Centre on North Main Street for so many years. He was involved with the arts. If you are on Pope's Key, down there near the church on Pope's Key, you'll know the Dolls House. It's the Civic Trust House. It's down on Pope's Key. It's a beautiful restoration job at number 50, Pope's Key, And I think that's probably John X. Miller's best legacy. He drove the project to get that house renovated and he got great sponsorship in to do it and it is beautiful and it's, if you like, it's it's kind of John's legacy. I was sad to hear this morning of, of his passing. Uh, a very likeable man, man I met many many times. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is away 396 96, 96 and the email is opinion at 96 FM Woke up, was it Sunday morning, to the news of horrific earthquake tragedy on Turkish-Syrian border. Then a second earthquake that hit later in that day. And now we're looking at thousands and thousands of people killed. And then I heard of an Irish school uh, caught up in that general area. And the more you... Here, the more you find out, the more you want to know Then we discovered it was a cork school And a school that we know very well Which is Colossia Eamon Reish I'm joined from, I think you're in Istanbul Are you Aaron Wolf, the, the the principal there And really only for a change of plan We'd be having a much different yes. conversation Good morning
12: Hi, PJ. Good morning or well, good afternoon. It's it's one p.m. here. We're three hours ahead. Um, yes, my God, we, we had a real narrow escape. Um, we were due to fly. Well, we were flying. We were flying Dublin to Istanbul, and then we were due to get a connecting flight on Sunday evening from Istanbul to Malata. But because of a previous um, Erasmus we'd been on in December, we decided that the gap between the the Dublin flight and the Malata flight there wasn't enough time, so we said we wouldn't fly to Malata until Monday afternoon instead. Right. Now, thanks to that decision, we were not in uh, Malata and we avoided the earthquake. It does not bear thinking about what might have happened had we had we stuck to the original plan. And
4: Malata is in um, the earthquake region, yeah?
12: Oh, it is. I mean, it, it's very, very badly hit. Um, we've been, we've got We've got um, messages from the school that we were visiting saying that um, their town has literally disappeared and that more and more people are being found dead all the time. Like, it, it's, it's really grim. So who's um, travelling,
4: Aaron, in, and what's the purpose of your trip?
12: So, so it's, it, this, is, this is an Erasmus, so it's funded by Lurga, so it's fully funded. So in this Erasmus, we're travelling around to different schools around the world looking at how they are welcoming refugees into their education system. So we've been to Germany, we've been to Cyprus, and we're looking, as I said, how, how refugees go to school in those countries and we bring ideas back to Ireland then and we look at how we can how can we, how we maybe we can incorporate some of those ideas into our system. Um, so for Malata we're here on the same project but we've recently become accredited for uh, more Erasmus projects so we were kind of twinning ourselves with this school in Malata to do a lot more Erasmus exchanges. So on this one we were bringing five students out here. Um, I'm here with our Deputy Principal Edel Farrell and our TY Coordinator Sean Sean Buckley and he, he sorry, not a TY coordinator, our Erasmus coordinator, Sean Buckley. And the idea was the five students would go to school in Malata for um, five days and they'd stay with Turkish families. And we were gonna build up that relationship with the school. As I say, it was all funded, there's no cost to the mm. students at all. And but, is the school um, gone now, Aaron? Well, the the school the school isn't gone, but um, they they have a thousand students in the school. So look, we're just praying that my God, they're all safe. Um, we just know the teacher we're working with Yasmin, she's joined the rescue service teams. You know, they're out looking through rubble, looking for people. Um, she just texted me there to say, look, at least her family they're they're safe and they're all together. Um, another guy we work with Barack, he's safe. Um, but they're 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 literally going through rubble, and you know, I thought what people don't realise is how cold it is here. We're in Istanbul, it's um, two degrees, like it's snowing all the time. In Malata, it reached minus six overnight. And the Turkish rule is that no one is allowed inside their houses in the earthquake hit regions because of the tremors. So they're all outside in minus six degrees overnight. That doesn't bear thinking about We we, we forget,
4: don't we, Aaron, people go on holidays in Turkey and And it's 40 degrees degrees in the summertime. In the wintertime it can get very cold.
12: It is absolutely freezing. I mean, look, we're safe. We're in Istanbul. We're, there's power cuts all the time, so there. Look, we've had no, <laughs> we've had no heating, so it, it's freezing. But look, thank God, we're not in yes. Malata But it is like you should, like when you think of Turkey, as you say, you think it's sunny, but no, it's snowing. There are snowstorms all the time. Mm. Um, yeah, we <laughs> we had to go out and buy different coats and stuff because look, some of the teachers weren't ready for the the weather. <laughs> yeah, we are looking at turning so around
4: that. and planning to come home now, aren't you?
12: Well, what happened is we checked the, the, the we checked the price of flights and um, it was too expensive to book new flights so what we did was we we checked hotel prices in Istanbul and then we went around hotels haggling and so we got into one hotel and we haggled them down from I think they wanted to charge us nearly five thousand euro and they got it down to two and a half thousand two thousand three hundred now we don't have that money but look the school can do bake sales or whatever but at least we got the students in somewhere and they're safe and mm-hmm. um, that was our main priority yesterday so Look, we have an extended stay in Istanbul. Oh, so you're going to travel like, back as scheduled then, are you? We are because it was too expensive to book new flights. You know, you can't try, you can't you can't do name changes with Turkish Airlines. There is th- some things are nuts that we we had booked a hotel in Malata through Booking.com, and they're not refunding us the money. So we're down a thousand euro, even though an earthquake hit that hotel. So Crikey. there's kind of nuts things like. Look, well, you'd, online, you'd hope your
4: insurance would, would cover that eventually.
12: Aaron, do you have one of the
4: young people with you?
12: I do, yeah, we're, we're actually all sat in reception here together, but Jack O'Neill, he's one of the students, he's a third year. He, I'll put you on to him okay. now, so this is Jack O'Neill.
4: Hello. Hi, Jack, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, good. How do you feel about what's been happening the last few days? You were looking forward to going to Malat, and you were going to stay with the family, I think.
12: Yeah, I'm just, like, I'm in a lot of shock, really. Like, uh, I didn't really expect all this to happen. It's kind of like, you know, really, like, Imagine it too. Like whatever you're imagining, it's like worse than that. I can't really imagine what it's like. Yes, yeah.
4: yes, yes. And and the fact that you could have been there if your flights had been working according to plan. It doesn't you're yeah, yeah, thinking about. Yes, yeah, so that's the scary part. Like I could have been there, and uh, it'd be hard. Like yeah, I know. Have, have you that. made any contact with the family you were supposed to stay with, or can you contact them?
12: Um, yeah, uh, the, the family I was supposed to stay with are um, helping now in uh, for with rescue trying to find people good. in the rubble.
4: And are they all okay? They are the people in that family. Yeah, that's, yeah, they're all okay. That's good to know. That's very good to know. So this was supposed to be a big adventure. It turned out to be a whole different one, didn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of scary, like uh, that that can happen. Like how things can change so quick. Yeah, yeah, very scary. You were, um, you were all very lucky. You really, were all very, very lucky. Jack, the best to you and to all of your your friends and colleagues. This will be a learning experience that you weren't expecting, but certainly, uh, certainly one that you'll you'll remember for the rest of your life. Just pass me back on to to Aaron there for a second. Yeah, uh, before very before. Much. Thank you, Jack, and good luck to everybody. And I hope everything goes okay for the rest of your stay. Aaron, they're all very shook.
12: Oh, they absolutely are. I mean, they're they're five. They're they're very young. They're they're fifteen-year-olds. Yeah. Five of them. Now they're the, the best group of young people you could ever ask for. I've Sophia sat opposite me. She's giving us weather reports about the temperature. Um, they are brilliant. They are absolutely fantastic. A credit to their parents and the parents as well, because what could happen as well? The parents were so good to us as as teachers, because they 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 didn't overreact. They were very calm, and they said, "Look, we trust you. Ye. You're yeah. fine." Whereas it could have gone all the way so thanks to the parents they made it a lot easier for us all right. um, okay. but they're brilliant yeah and look, right. we just pray that everyone in Malat and our partner school is safe
4: indeed indeed it's great for Jack to be able to find out that the, the family he was supposed to go to are, are okay is that the same with everybody else that you know of Aaron is there anybody no, you were no, supposed no. to meet no
12: yes yeah there's, there's two girls haven't got through to um, their partners and another another one of the other children has concussion um but yeah, it's difficult. We, we we heard a lot from them yesterday morning and then all of a sudden we stopped getting contact because obviously there was a, there was another earthquake yeah. and um, they're being hit by these aftershocks. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it, is, it is horrendous. Right. You know, yeah. there's no question about it. It's
4: very frightening. All right, thank you, Aaron Wolf, uh, Principal of Deer Park CBS, Colossus to Eamon Reisch. Thank you, Aaron. Wow. There but for the change of plan or there but for the grace of God, Code cool, that group from Cork. 0818 96 96 96. I'll go, to, actually I'll go straight to Pamela, guys. Pamela, your husband lives in Kusadasi, yeah? Yes,
13: he's Hi. Morning, PJ. How are you? Hi. Hi. How All I? our own gang there from Turnus Cross, your are safe. Yes. Um, that's a nice start for the morning. Uh, yeah, PJ, my husband is in, is in Kusadasi. His family are in Hatai, which is the border of Syria. Okay. So they would be the furthest um, to where the earthquake is. Yesterday morning, unfortunately, yes, he said some family members died, unfortunately, in the oh earthquake, dear. his cousin, his wife, and their two children, 13 and 11. Oh unfortunately, dear. God, I went to bed and never got up.
6: Oh, dear. But
13: they're the luck, some of the lucky ones, even through death, because they've been found. Uh, I have a lot of friends out there in that village, Hatay, Ishkeldon. There's um, It's so like you're looking at, to make it easy for all, all Irish people to understand, it would be Munster, Cork, Terry, Nimitz, Tipperary, Waterford. You have Providence, Providence, so they're all connected. Yes. You're talking of thousands, yeah. millions of people. Uh,
4: well, Cusadasi is an area Cork people would know well. Yeah, Pam, yeah because of the holidays, holiday you know.
13: Resort. Yeah, yeah. Bartram, Cusadasi, Gumbit, all those are all holiday resorts. But this is. The real Turkey, for the one to know, this is older Turkey, I know. Where, um, where families from there would travel up for work to the holiday resort, and then it's off-season, so they'd all go home. So I would have a lot of friends and family down in those eh, towns now. They call them villages, but let me tell you, they're far from villages. Some of these villages are as big as Istanbul. So yeah, I'd have a lot of people down there. Yeah, I didn't sleep a wink last night. and I have to say, all day yesterday was phone calls, watching the telly. Came to the station where I just had to turn it off because it was very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, especially when I heard some of our own family members. Yeah, you've lost,
4: you've lost extended family. Who have
6: you lost?
13: Yeah. Um, my husband's cousin was killed with his wife and two children in their apartment. Yeah. Uh, as I said, now they were found, so there's are some of the lucky ones that they're actually, they have their their deceased bodies, they're, they're found, but there's thousands. I spoke to my husband there this morning, very early this morning, and um, I was saying they're looking at figures of 20,000 20, people. He said, no, no, double that. Oh, my he, God. He's saying forty, fifty 50,000, it's most definitely... One of the worst humanitarian crises that that we we've seen,
4: and the thing like, that we don't e- we don't expect the cold that people obviously yeah, in, in earthquake region. Yeah, I
13: hear, I hear um, the school in Istanbul report in minus six in hatai last night. It was minus seventeen.
4: Oh my god!
2: And
13: yeah, my brother in law stayed in. Uh, they're not allowed back in, the, in their homes because it's unsafe. They can't. They're not allowed. It's, it's a law. You don't go back in. And they don't want to go back in, they're, they're nervous, they're frightened, they're, they're asleep, there was five of them in the car last night now, and they slept in, they stayed in a bus shelter, just made a, a makeshift flyer with some of the debris from the the the, the 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 earthquake, and just say that They have no electricity this morning, they have no internet, they have no phone lines, so unfortunately it's a, it's a eight or ten hours now since my husband I spoke to them. Yes. You know, Sisters, brothers, cousins, mothers and, lords, and all of their families, extended families, lots and lots of friends. Mm. Uh, staff members that would have worked for him, all of their families. This is his hometown where he was born and reared, where he went to school. Their sports stadium is gone. Their, unfortunately, their cemeteries have lifted. Oh, dear. It's just, It's just horrendous.
4: It's unimaginable.
13: It's isn't it? uh, they're showing. I know they're showing a lot on CNN and and, and um, Sky News and RT, but like it's nothing to what I've been watching on our Turk, news. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, it's 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 horrendous. Young babies being dragged out, elderly people dragged out, older men looking for their wives, older wives looking for their husbands. Oh. It's, the worst. My husband's niece lost her new home. She's only married a few months in her whole house collapsed. Luckily, she was able to get out. His other sisters lost their homes. Their cars lost. Their business are lost. They're left with nothing. My God. They're homeless. They have no electricity. On, on, on a good day, their water isn't great. They turn it on. They save water. So they haven't water. I I genuinely don't know what they're doing for food. And unfortunately, because they're one of the furthest away, hotle would be on the Syria border. Yeah. It's very hard for they can't get in and they can't and the people in there can't get out. They myself. can't travel because they have no fuel and they're too nervous to be travelling. Their main road going in is um is just gone. It's not there. I have photographs of that, and um, the airport is closed. They can't use their flights because of fuel. I mean, it's not, it's not available. Uh, the rescue services, yes, they're going in. Of course, they're going in, but it's going to take them days to get to Hatay because from Kushadafi to Hatay is a 17 hour drive. That's the limit. Of oh, their my
4: country. goodness me.
13: So, to drive there is 17 hours from Kushidafi. That's that's the distance.
4: Oh so my goodness me. You see, we don't, the, I don't think we realize, no, Pam, do, the I, I, size I, I of the place. They, it's they,
13: they don't realize that. I hear people saying villages, they're not, they're just, these villages are bigger than Dublin, they're bigger than Cork, they're as big as Istanbul. I don't know the geography of the length and the, yeah. the width of it. Oh, I'll I mean,
4: give you an idea. You can drive from Mallonhead to Mizenhead in about six and a half or seven hours Very and that's cool. taking a break for your lunch you're mm-hmm. talking you're talking 17, 17 hours between Hattie 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 and, Hattie and, Hattie and that's goodness. not the
13: length of that's only from kushigafi which is uh, like you are talking eastern turkey it's to come up central turkey and so imagine the length and the width of turkey i i think i remember one time somebody said amazing return to america in a certain way You'd actually fit it into the the width of of Turkish the Turkish country. Yeah,
1: and, so, and would yeah. they
4: on, in normal times, Pam? Would they be good roads?
13: Oh, fantastic! They have the best of roads. So sure, didn't they prove it to us when they built our Berlin bypass? <laughs> that that?
11: Actually, yes. They not no
13: they, they have no, obviously, in around their towns. Their roads needs needs work, but like their main roads in and out, of there are, is never a problem. They have the best of roads. Mm.
4: Are you now, on, are you in contact days, with your well,
13: husband? Oh yeah, thankfully, because he's in Kushadasi. But if he was in his village, uh, no, I wouldn't have contact. No, um, no, we didn't sleep. We've been awake. I have a 13 year old son who was who went to school this morning. Who was extremely sad going to school knowing that he's lost cousins, yes. extended family. Yeah, and when uh, when
4: you heard of the news breaking at the weekend. Pam, how quickly was it? Mimo is his name, isn't it? How quickly Memo, was it before yeah. you, Memo before you can get through to him?
13: Yeah, he was I was I got the news from him because it was they're three hours ahead.
4: Yes, okay. So like
13: what happened to them at quarter past seventeen minutes past four exactly is when the earthquake hit seven point eight and then they got the second one when it now was seven point five and at the moment their um their aftershocks, they're all still on four and five. So like there are still earthquakes, aftershocks. If you're Kushida, that thing, you are in again, you have so it hasn't it hasn't
4: calmed down yet. No, oh,
13: no, wow. no, 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 no. And 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 unfortunately, like it probably won't for a a, a, a number of days.
4: And it's only then, really, that the work and can the begin. Sad,
13: sad, sad thing is, my heart is broke for Turkey. but The saddest part is Syria is on the border, yes. and they're at war, as you know, with a long, long time—eleven years. And, like, it's going to be extremely hard for rescue services to go in there because of the war. And they've suffered enough already. So, like, there'll be thousands of homeless there because of the war. There's millions of people homeless now because of the earthquake, because they it, it, It's not being really televised. It's There's a blanket cover on it, really. Yes. Uh, so what, what, how they're suffering at the moment. I
4: remember talking to a, a guy who was a cameraman for one of the big television networks around the world, we we knew each other from actually from school and he said, of every hour I film, he said there's about four minutes makes the news, we just couldn't broadcast the yeah. rest of it, when you and go to something so like this
13: true. you couldn't because
4: broadcast I, the rest of it
13: Yeah, I was talking to Memo last night and uh, he had me on and, and FaceTime and, and WhatsApp camera and he was showing me their news to uh, and I was showing him our news, Yes. And what we were watching was the same continuous same buildings falling like That's Lego. right.
4: That's right. Yeah.
13: But like what he was showing me was live people being dragged out by family members. There was kids being dragged out. Unfortunately, some of them deceased, some of them alive. And and you know the thing about church people, they 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 live and breathe their family. Mm. They're very 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 family oriented. They really, what we all, of course we all love our family, that goes to but they, like, they go over and above to prove how much they love their families. And to see the, the, the rescue people, normal people, normal people that had lived in those house, dragging people out yesterday and they're kissing them and they're hugging them and old people going through rubble and they shouting in Turkish, where are, where are you, where are you, where is my wife, where is my son? It's absolutely horrendous. It was like watching doomsday. It was really, really, really bad. I'd pain in my heart for
4: Well, Pam, you you tell it so well. Please,
13: and um, PJ, can I just say, and and I'm not taking from anybody. I'm not. But like there was a huge response to the Russian and the Ukraine war. It was a huge response. Thankfully, there was we got involved and all, uh, all the European countries got involved. Turkey isn't your is isn't EU. Yes. They isn't they? And I'm glad they're not EU. They they stood on their own. They kept their own currency, and their own cultures, and their own laws. And and I'm I'm glad for that. I hope they always do because we all see the changes and mostly not so good changes when you get into EU. But because I find sometimes because they're not EU, they can be forgotten. Yes. And there was a huge, huge outcry oh, for the Ukrainians and the Russians, and everybody got involved, and there was cargos and shipments and all sorts and out and fundraising done, and it was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. That was needed, and still is needed, I'm sure. But I would ask people if you can donate, if there's anybody willing to go there with blankets, and because they have nothing, everything is rubble. they haven't the blankets. They have the clothes on the back that they slept in at uh, quarter past four yes. yesterday morning. Yes. And luckily some of them still have their cars. My brother-in-law's car was gone. He had nowhere to go yesterday. There was an older kind of a makeshift caravan that they stayed in overnight and making their own fires. They have no food.
4: Yes. They I heard a no reporter shop. on the BBC actually, Pamela, saying that what we've got to understand is that there were hundreds of people How? in their pyjamas.
13: I mean, there's 85 million people in Turkey. So just we just turned that down to that side, eastern side of Turkey. There was, a, we say Munster was hit with an earthquake, that, that amount of, of province, okay? We, yeah. we call them counties, they call them province. So imagine the amount of people with kids, elderly people, sick people, the hospitals are empty, they don't even have their doctors, they don't have their nurses, they have nowhere to go. Wow. And even if they had places to go, and their health system is 110%, I always say, God forbid, everyone became of me here, it's straight there, I go for the medical attention. But even if they had somewhere to go, they can't get there. Their roads are cut off. Wow. My sister-in-law is 30 kilometers from her brother. Her house is gone. And she can't get to her brother because there's no roads. They're gone. The they' are gone. They're, they're gone. There's nothing. Yeah, it's like a demolition, and the whole city of of Hatay was is a demolition. It's just rubbish.
4: Yeah, I think that's where you ask put it. If
13: that's... everybody just takes thirty seconds, just say one prayer for the oh. whole land, everyone in Turkey, because everyone is suffering. Everyone has some sort of relation or family or friends and then as I said holiday resorts they would have taken a lot of people from the poorer areas of Hathay, and Adana and all of that and they'd have brought them to Kushadasi, Badrum, Gumbet to give them work to start them off in life and so anybody that has been there in a holiday resort in Kushadasi you probably do know people that are now suffering all over turkey it's not just eastern turkey everyone i know i heard um, the principal of the school saying uh, it's, it's like a normal day in istanbul they have to they have to because places like that only have a couple of months of the year to make. it's not a 12 month thing where they make money they have to make money to continue on for the winter and know what they have made is
1: gone. ready to pop the question Because it's 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 not there. earthquake, like you pronounce.
4: like you said, you know. I think the word you use very effectively, Pam. And I'll I'll wrap it here for no reason other than time. But you, you it's gone. It's gone. Gone, it, and that gone. It, imagine something like imagine a city like Limerick, gone.
13: Cork, gone. Gone. Mm. Peter, can I just say though, the, uh, as much as it's gone. It's gone. Let's just hope that those who are stuck in rubble, injured, sick, that they all survive, that they get them all out because the first few hours are the most important. And the last thing I would say is, for the Turkish people, all those buildings and all their cars and all those buildings, it's immaterial to them once their family and friends and neighbours are safe.
4: Alright. Please convey our regards thanks to your husband and, and, and sorry for the loss, Pam, sorry for the loss of, of your extended family. Thank you so much. That's Pamela Cregan, uh, whose husband uh, lives in Kusudasi. Wow. I think that's, that, that, um, that's a description that, that you're not getting on CNN, you're not getting it on Sky News, you're not getting it on BBC. Things are just gone. 818
0: 96 96 96.
2: <laughs> Join the conversation! Now. 818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan.
4: Coach96FM! Yeah, Tom Walsh, friend of the show, involved in a Syrian refugee group in Middleton. Thankfully, they've lost no one. But the Syrian community in Ireland is aware of one family in Dublin who've lost everyone. Another Syrian family in Wicklow have also experienced losses, so it has touched the Syrian community in Ireland as well as the Turkish. Thank you for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I think it's a, it's it's a, just a, it's it's shocking, really, really shocking to see the state of destruction. And I suppose if you've ever been to that part of the world, and, and you see it on television or. What if you've got friends and family out there like, like Pam has? I bet, you, I bet you she just wants to get on the plane and go out there, but she but can't now. You feel so sorry for, for everyone. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I've spoken before with Neil Fox. He's a cycling safety campaigner uh, from Cork. Uh, well, he's a dub, lives in Cork. Uh, lost his sister Donna in 2016. She was killed when she was hit by a truck while she was cycling in Dublin, uh, she was on her way to work and ever since then, and we've talked before, uh, Neil has been advocating for better conditions for cyclists. There there are improvements underway, Neil. I see more and more uh, designated lanes and segregated lanes going up day in, day out. Are we, Are we doing enough? Good morning to you.
14: Hi, PJ, thanks for having me on. Um yes, I think that like there's massive improvements nationally and especially in the city centres um, in Cork and Dublin um and, and throughout the country. Possibly Galway's not quite as, as good at the moment. But um what we, what we always can do individually, be we drivers or cyclists, is watch your own conduct. That's the first thing I'll say. Um, and you know, we, like, I'm always campaigning towards government and like changes with um, things like that and policy. But at the same time, it is personal responsibility for each of us on the road. And just listening this morning, it's been quite a hard show. And, you know, and I think that, you know, road safety, sometimes um, we're always talking about fatalities and, you know, uh, and that. But at the same time, you know, my focus can be is on the people who are living. Um, you know and yes I lost my sister and, and that but I suppose the, the work comes out of wanting to have better conditions and also to alert people that you know th- these deaths and injuries are preventable mm. um, in the vast majority of cases um, so be we a cyclist or a pedestrian or, or whatever um, or, or obviously my campaigns are normally aimed at motorists but I just want to say that in the beginning that you know I'm not somebody who thinks that all cyclists behave um, appropriately on the road some don't Um, they're a minority, um, but at the same time we have to appeal um, to them as Mm. well, um, you know, to watch your conduct because it can be you. um, you This is is this morning,
4: Neil, just as I was driving into work this morning, Mm. I travel the same route every morning, so I'm familiar with every, uh, you know, change and bend in it. Just as I turned Mm -hmm. into one street, this guy came up against me in the wrong direction on a bike, and I thought you like, we're all trying to make the roads safe. The computers
14: are the same at the moment. You know, that, you know, there, there, there is a minority of, you know, um, I suppose active transport is so important and that, but at the same time, you know, in order to promote it, um, yeah. safety is the key, but our own conduct. But I suppose, what like, you had um, in court there at the, the weekend just gone, um, UCC hosted um, a cycling symposium. Yes. Um, which which was really good you know and it's great to see the city doing that yeah. um, but my point has uh, has been that the real future of cycling is safety yes. um, because more people take it up if they feel safe and we know like that there is an increase but there should be a greater increase really yeah. considering as you said that there is better infrastructure now some of the cycle lanes aren't really protected but the fact that there is at least a line there that it it, it is making drivers more aware you know that there are going to be cyclists yeah. on the road y- you imagine
4: Assistant the Commissioner recently Neil?
14: Yeah um, Paula Hillman, she's, she's new enough in the role, I think I'm not 100% maybe a year, a little maybe okay. more than that um, and she came from the PSNI, um, which is an interesting, you know, it's interesting when somebody comes from another jurisdiction, even though it's only really up the road in a sense, maybe a little bit further from Cork than a, than a home in Dublin, but um, at the same time. Um, and she has a f- sort of a fresh perspective, and she was very open to meeting. She met me very um, quick after I, I requested a meeting. And I suppose what, what I requested off the guards after I, if I, I should say, I met with the AGSI. Um, you know, um, uh, beforehand and they were they were very supportive. Of, yeah, yeah. yeah.
12: Um,
14: and I suppose after that, they they um, they recommended that I speak with her. And you know, I I I didn't expect to get a meeting that quick. Um, because government the last, you know, the the now I have a meeting with the the minister next week, but um, it's been slow process with the last minister. Um, the minister of state knocked Nocton was more you know less approachable, perhaps than Jack Chambers. But um, what I would say, she met me really quick um, and um, I've lost my train there. Um, it's okay. Point, um, meeting with assistant commissioner. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's just yeah. about what happened with her. Sorry, the idea that I have is that we have, like, obviously we're campaigning for the portal for cycling, but that is coming in, 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 in hopefully next year. But what, what's that um, now? But... Yeah. Portal for cycling is basically. I think I spoke before about it. It's to do it. Remember the the new law that came in a few years ago in twenty nineteen, late twenty nineteen. Shane Ross brought it in. Um, dangerous overtaking of a cycling. Yes. So you know about the minimum distance and all that. like But but the, the just to improve it to give it more, I suppose, teeth. Um, to make it more. Um, what would you say? Impossible. Easier to report because yeah. because nationally, unfortunately, there's been different responses from different guards around the country, and there's been a lot of complaints that it's been difficult to report it. some of them don't understand it and um, guards i mean um, and that there's you know there's no direct portal and a lot of um, regular cyclists now um have helmet cameras and also you know the, the dash cameras and cars and that it, just to, to give evidence of dangerous maneuvers um because the you don't actually have to hit a cyclist for this law to come in or mm-hmm. to you know for it to be um you know a, a crime um so the so so I suppose it's the, just to ease the reporting. Um but the, the I suppose what's building on that, um, because I know that's hopefully coming in soon, um, I wanted them to set up um is what I'm calling, like we'll say, it's similar to what we might call a cycling liaison office within the on guard of Sheikana. Um so the, to that end it would be a guard an officer within the probably within the the currently in the policing department, or roads policing department, the, Roads policy um, that that they would have somebody who's just specifically designated to cycling safety, yes. um, and from both angles, from you know appealing to cyclists, you know, to behave better, and also um, more directly to motorists, because obviously um, motor vehicles cause you know a lot more damage. Um, but the the idea has been, you know, it has been accepted, and they're they're quite happy to to run with it. Um, in, but the in the meantime, where we've um, she suggested that we set up what's called to cycling engagement group, the CEG, right. um, and that the, basically that is that that's why primarily I, I asked to come on this morning is just to to ask maybe Cork cyclists or especially um, groups um, and and some activists as well if they're interested in taking part in a couple of meetings we will have with the, the assistant commissioner okay. and um, a couple of superintendents and other members of. Ungarc- and what will be the purpose of the meetings. It, to engage. The, sorry, the, the, the purpose of, the, of the meeting is it? Yeah yeah the purpose of the meeting really is to is to build better relationship between the guards and um, cyclists in general but um, mainly it's it's to assist the commissioner in understanding maybe the main complaints and the main issues they they feel that they encounter on a daily basis now we we kind of have a, a loose understanding of what what they are you know obviously good dangerous overtakes and um, parking in cycle mm-hmm. lanes and and stuff like that um, which do you know impact on a daily basis and 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 sometimes abuse as well for motorists. Um, thankfully, that's small enough. Um, mm. But there, there is that, like, there, you know, that can intimidate, especially women um, and girls from cycling. And if somebody um, wants to make contact is-
4: with you to join one of these groups... Can they do that on oh, social yes, media? Sorry.
14: Um it's it's quite it's quite easy. Just um if you email me on neilfoxcork at gmail.com. So it's easy to remember, neilfoxcork at gmail.com. That's okay. N-E-I-L-F-O-X Cork. Um and so we I'm liaising with the guards at the moment and we will we'll only have a couple of meetings, so it'll be just hybrid meetings okay. more than likely. Um, and um it's just really important that we engage with the with the guards when they're willing to because um, okay. we need to have a better relationship and that so okay.
4: yeah we might check back in again maybe later in the year about how that is going and particularly thank you neil particularly at the moment a lot of different road changes going on around the city and county and those big pavements that you could play a hockey match on or whatever kind of match you wanted to have and a lot of cycling lanes going in and I often wondered if I was a cyclist, I don't think I'd be too happy to see just a bit of different coloured laneway. I'd want it to be protected in some way, because just because it's different colour doesn't mean some idiot isn't going to drive into it. I would certainly understand that, that concern. 0818 96, 96 96. On energy prices, please encourage people not to cut back on food and other essentials to cover their energy bills remind people to stay in contact with their energy provider. They have a legal obligation to set up a payment plan relevant to your circumstances. And that is very true. But you know what really gets on my gears? And at the moment, I'm trying to contact a utility. I won't tell you what it is. It's not electric and it's not gas. I'm trying to contact a utility at the moment for a minor query, just something that's on my mind, I want to get it sorted out. It's nothing major. I'm not going to lose any sleep over But trying to get on to a human being. If I hear one more robotic response, press one, press two, I am going to throw the phone out the window. I know my problems are small in the real world, but that drives me mad.
8: Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The
0: Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May, and Friday 26th is Jersey Day.
8: You make me feel Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services See 96fm.ie for more 96fm.ie for more
0: The Giving for Living Radiothon Supporting Cork Cancer Services May 25th to 27th You make me feel you make me feel
8: only on Corks 96 FM.
0: Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96
4: FM. Now, Irvin, uh, you own Nosta Cafe on Marlborough Street. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. I'm so sorry for what's happening in your country. I really am. It's such a terrible tragedy.
15: Uh Thanks, Vijay. It's very unfortunate. Uh, events uh, happened in my country. Um, luckily, my family is all fine. But I'm really feel bad to say that uh, you know my family is fine. But there's thousands of families are uh, affected badly, and there's thousands of casualties. Yes. Um, it's t- affected 12 cities, and one of the worst earthquake happened probably last 10, 20 years.
4: Yes. Yes, now you want to try to get a fundraiser off the ground. Yes,
15: yes. so uh, what we are trying to do is, uh, with the help of Turkish Embassy in Dublin, um, we are hoping to gather as much as uh, winter clothing, uh, scarf, uh, clothes, blankets, duvet, jackets, uh, pads for babies and women, um, all these sort of things. And we have a deadline till five o'clock Thursday, and the, all these helps will be uh, gathered in number four Drynan Street. There's a college over there. It's called Icot College. Right. Um, so uh, there's well, a lot what's of the college
4: called Irvine.
15: It's called I-Cott, Icot. I C O T. Okay, and it's
4: in Draymond Street.
15: Yeah, number four, Draymond Street. And also, if people, uh, they want to drop it in here, in in my restaurant, that's fine as well. I will take them over there myself. And we organize a transportation for Friday morning, so it will be uh, picked up over there Friday morning and transported to the Turkish embassy in Dublin and from... There to via Turkish Airlines to Turkey. Okay. Um, so any help will be much appreciated. Uh, if you have unused winter clothing, baby clothing, scarf hats, whatever, yes. uh, whatever you people they want to donate and help, they can drop it over there or drop it in here, yes. and then we we are hoping to get gathered as much as possible. Because everything uh, makes a big difference there at the moment. It's so cold. People are not dying from earthquake anymore. They're dying from freezing weather conditions.
4: I think that's something that surprised a lot of people, Evren, over the weekend, was that it can get so cold in Turkey in the winter.
15: Well, uh, especially that part of Turkey, it can get really, really cold. And you could uh, have snow up to Three four meter of snow, um, temperatures could plunge to minus thirty forty degrees. Wow. Uh, Eastern Turkey is, is it can be very very cold there. Yeah.
4: Wow wow. So you've got there's a plane organised. Yes,
15: by the, uh, Turkish Airlines. Uh, f- one of the flights it's over the weekend, and Turkish Embassy organised all that. And so all we have to do is from here is uh, get it from Cork to Turkish Embassy in Dublin, which we organised already. We have transportation in place. Uh, all we want from people to whatever they want to give away, whatever they want to donate. Um, so, but mainly, what we want is unused winter clothing, okay. jackets, hats, scarves, baby clothing, nappy, uh, pads for a woman, um, hygienic material, um, duvets, all the, blankets, yeah, yeah duvets, bags. yeah, blankets, sleeping bags, uh, tents. Okay all these other things
4: okay okay so if they can get that to 4 Dryland Street to ICOT I-C-O-T at I 4 yeah. Dryland Street before what time? 5 o'clock Thursday before 5 uh, o'clock Thursday they,
15: they need to be uh, picked up over there and put them in a boxes separate separate boxes so jackets in boxes and you know sure. baby clothing and all that so that needs to be done and then uh, we're going to load to the van and you'll have to be there in lunchtime Friday in Dublin, uh,
4: okay. the embassy. Okay, so everything, everything is organized, the flight is organized, the embassy is organized, yes, but you just yes, need to get yes, the stuff yes. in. Okay, Evran, thank you, that's Evran who owns Nosta Cafe on Marlborough Street and is organizing a collection of winter stuff, clothes, duvets, blankets, hats, coats, to get out to Turkey and the organisation of this is brilliant everything is done the Turkish embassy has got a plane Turkish Airlines has a plane they're going to fill the plane and get the stuff out there Uh, they just need to get the stuff so that's ICOT it's a college in Dryden Street number 4 Dryden Street they are collecting the stuff Uh, they want you to get it in there by 5 o'clock Thursday and once you get it in by 5 o'clock Thursday they will do all the heavy lifting, they will get it to Dublin they will get it on the plane, they will get it to Turkey to, to save the victims or to help at least to help the victims of the earthquake Thank you everyone and good luck with that. 0818 969696. 96, 96. The Cork Diary. On Corks 96 FM.
0: Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organization, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Cork Diary at 96 FM.ie. The Cork Diary with corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have
2: one. Corks 96FM. The Minds are
0: live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 83
2: 396
0: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Watch 96 M-
4: yeah, the fun all starts with Dermot Kennedy live in Las Vegas. Fun all starts next Monday, February 13th on Cox 96 FM. You'll be listening for the hits of Dermot Kennedy. And every time you hear one of Dermot's hits, you need to text or WhatsApp in for your chance to go and see him. Live in Vegas. Starts next Monday on Cork's 96 FM. Before 12, also an opportunity to send you to see Rod Stewart live at the Marquee. Great concert, great announcement last week from Mr. Aiken and the Live at the Marquee team. It's the 20th of June and we've a pair of tickets every day this week on the opinion line uh, to give away. For that Gig. That's going to be one of the gigs of the year, trust me. 0818 96, 96, 96 Bernie says, I'm trying to get through to someone since 20 past 10. I gave up at 11. There could be someone murdered by midday at this rate. It's the same with all the companies at this. T- oh, it is. Oh, dear. Bernie, stop. Like I said, it's a simple problem. Just a very simple query can be solved in under a minute by a human being at the end of the phone that just types in my number or my reference number and will be able to tell me the answer to exactly what I want I do not want another computerised please press 1 please press 2 I do not want to go to another website and start looking for another No, I just give me a human being on the end of the flipping telephone thanks Bernie now um, we're not going back to COVID COVID thankfully is in the rear view mirror for the most of it even though it is still around and you still get it and you can still get quite sick with it but for the most part it's not the problem it was before and hopefully will never be that problem again but there are a huge number of people in Cork affected by long Covid this was the Covid that refused to go away this was the Covid that confined you to the bed for weeks and months this was the Covid that left you completely washed out and destroyed your health I spoke before to uh, Tanya Bewalder from Crosshaven, there's 1 in 20 people in Cork who got Covid now have long Covid, it really is a problem down here, no one, at least the last time I spoke to Tanya, nobody seems to know why or nobody seemed to know why, Tanya you told me the last time how it had affected you, you were on the mend, how are you now? Good morning.
16: Morning. How are you, PJ? Um, I'm, it's slow progress. I'm still progressing, though, and going in the right direction. It's still there. And my infection anniversary, if you will, which is not a happy anniversary, mm-hmm. will be March this year. So I'll be three years since I first had COVID. And I still, three years later, have some symptoms of long COVID. Great. So it's something that can stay quite a long time with you.
4: Yeah, Can you, for example, get through a full day now without taking a rest? Because I know the last time we talked, sometimes you'd have to be back in the bed by 11 o'clock just, just to, to rest.
16: Thankfully, I can. Now I can get through a day. Um, I can work a full day. I can get home. But I'm still in the bed around 7, 7.30 right. in the evening. And weekends, I'm doing as little as possible to try and recuperate and conserve energy because during the week I have to go out and, and work. So you have to kind of conserve your little, your your energy. And there's a lot of things that I can't do or, or I say no to in order to kind of conserve my energy.
4: Right. Now, you were involved with an interesting research group um, in UCC. And there, right. there was a report supposed to come from that. Has it come yet?
16: It has. Yes, finally, it took a quite a while to get peer reviewed, But it was uh, published and um, APC Microbiome in UCC and ourselves um, from Long COVID Advocacy Ireland did some research around the prevalence, I suppose, of long COVID in Ireland and also how it affects individuals, because I think people don't always realise the depth and breadth of long COVID in terms of symptomology. So, yes, fatigue is usually one of the symptoms that's very uncommon. But for some people, they have very little fatigue, but they have lots of other symptoms. Yeah. So they might have um, lack. some people two years later still have no smell or taste, for example. Yes. And imagine not being able to taste Anything you just food becomes horrible. Actually, you just don't want to eat because nothing tastes right. And even worse, some people taste the food and it tastes gone off or rancid or has a metallic taste. So it becomes really difficult and kind of a Russian roulette in terms of if I taste something, what are carrots going to taste like today? They were fine yesterday, but will they taste terrible today to me? There's lots of tinnitus, which is a really difficult one for people to live with. random kind of rashes all over people's bodies, cough. There's people who are still, you know, a year after post-COVID infection with quite a nasty cough that they just can't get rid of. So it's there's lots of different kind of groups of symptoms and no... Uh, one long COVID patient is the same as another one in terms of how their symptomology presents. I heard of
4: one Um, particular set of of symptoms, Tanya, which I found impossible to to, to comprehend, was that you feel fine. You've made a full recovery until the slightest little virus is going through the neighbourhood and you are flattened.
16: Yes, yes. (laughs) And it's, that's, I suppose, this... Um, remitting kind of illness where you think you're getting quite well and you think you're back to normal. And, you know, some of our long COVID community are athletes, professional athletes, Mm. um, you know, triathlon runners, and they start going back, they start, or participants, they go back and do their training. And then, like you said, they get hit with something that challenges their immune system, and then the, it's like the long COVID reactivates again, which is why it's really important for us to kind of be constantly trying to improve our own health and be very careful, I suppose, mm. in terms of preventing any other illnesses because it can give you an, an awful setback.
4: Do, do we know why there's such a concentration in Cork?
16: Um, We don't. Uh, we The science is getting closer as to why people get long COVID, but there's no one exact pinpoint yet. A lot of the research is pointing towards underlying, I suppose, silent or hidden health issues that the Joe soap in the street might not be aware of. And that's where APC Microbiome actually have done some really world-class research Around the microbiome, so the microbiome are the the gut bacteria, you know, mm. the little good fellas and bad fellas mm. that are knocking around in your. The fellas,
4: we take Yakult to feed in the morning.
16: <laughs> yeah. um, well, if your microbiome is not as healthy as it can be, mm. then you are more susceptible to long COVID. That's now clear. Okay. So most people wouldn't actually know what kind of state their microbiome is in because it's not. A test that's routinely offered by the GP, but finally light on the end of the uh, at the end of the tunnel. Again, back to UCC and APC, they are now offering GP training on how to prescribe a microbiome test and how to interpret it, yeah. so that we can actually take the science and bring it down to the the treatment level in it in, into GP surgery, so that people can actually understand what's going on with their with their bodies and try and get them a little bit better
4: okay okay so we are you still have covid three years on are we anywhere near yes yes are we anywhere near a place tanya where you'll be diagnosed with long covid you'll get a test you'll realize why it's happening and then be able to tackle it are we anywhere near that
16: I'd say the first part of that question, we're closer than ever. And I'd say this year we'll probably have the rest of the science kind of joining up and figuring out why we get it and getting a a, a clear diagnosis and much faster. Unfortunately, the latter half getting the treatments, Mm. mainly because of our health system and the way we operate, are further away than ever. Chronic underfunding, we know there's massive uh, issues in the health system, not just for long COVID, for for many other patients um, that are trying to access care. But long COVID clinics, there's a lot of promises and not a lot of delivery Mm. on long COVID clinics. And you could be waiting nearly Mm. a year to be seen in a long COVID clinic. Jack
4: Lambert was was trying to tell me about how he was so desperate to set one up himself and he just wasn't getting the support and all of that. You know, he wasn't... um, now, Lastly, partly
16: it's a staffing issue, yeah. but partly as well, it's we don't treat, I suppose, individuals in a holistic manner. Yeah. Long COVID hits uh, you all around the body. You can't just go to a cardiologist and they'll be able to sort you and then kind of go down the hall to a, you know, rheumatologist or something and be nicely divided into sections. Your body doesn't really work like that. It's a joined up organism and we need a little bit more joined up thinking and a better approach to, to long COVID in general.
4: Last time we talked, Tanya, one of the things you had to put up was people going, yeah, right, go on, long COVID. Is that gone?
16: Yeah, it hasn't. no. Uh, I think GPs are better about it now. Initially, there was uh, gaslighting from from GPs and medical professionals. Uh, that's better. It hasn't gone away. There's still some pretty horrendous stories from around the country and in, in our support group around it. I think there's still a little bit of it in the street in you know you'll see messages in a, in our advocacy group on on Facebook or online people saying my brother-in-law has just completely blanked me because he says long Covid is just all in my head it's not <laughs> hmm. it's very real and it's very difficult for the people who are suffering it and I think there needs to be a little bit more education out there and and it was interesting at the top of the the story you were talking about kind of Covid and the rear view mirror to some extent it is. Yeah. But in every wave of infections, PJ, there's still one in twenty that are probably gonna get long COVID. And
4: that's so why I keep, keep saying rear view mirror, Tanya. Uh, Christmas uh, uh, sorry, I, re- I sorry crush. I refuse to use the words COVID is gone, because it ain't. Yeah. It might be in the yeah. rear view mirror for yeah. most of us.
16: Yeah. Yeah.
4: But for the yeah, likes of you exactly. it's not.
16: No, no, but there's I think for me now knowing what I know. Um, about COVID and long COVID, the key, I suppose, with with lots of life nowadays, is to get as healthy as you possibly can, yes. and get your system and your your body working as best as it can, so that if you are to get COVID, there's a lesser chance of you getting uh, long COVID.
4: Yeah. You know? Okay. All right, Tanya, thank you very much. And I can continue recovery to you. Uh, That's Tanya Bewalder, uh, long COVID. Three years ago, for March, she got COVID and she still has symptoms. Uh, She's part of the COVID, Long COVID Advocacy Ireland. You'll find them on Facebook. I I recall the first time we began to speak about long COVID was around September of 2020. Fergal brought someone to the program. who I think was based in Scotland and we had a slew of calls afterwards from people who were suffering the same symptoms, so it is out there and the particularly scary one, I know someone who thinks that they're in this particular bracket, that they got an awful lash of COVID first time out, they were very sick but ever since, the slightest virus in the neighbourhood and they're flattened, and they've been sick three or four times, very sick three or four times since, it seems as if their immune system is is battered, senseless, by COVID. 0818 96 96 96. How about a theory test for cyclists or an exam? Because there's a lot of them that have no respect or knowledge for the rules of the road, says Viv. Yeah, and Jackie says, hi, PJ, sympathy to that man on the loss of his sister. And this is in no way referring to her, but many pedestrians and walkers... And, and and cyclists I assume are on country roads unlit and with no high viz this has to be addressed look I was coming into town this morning I made a turn I make every morning I went up a road I go up every morning and straight down that road against me comes this fella in black going through two lanes of traffic without so much as a by your leave on a bike you like, we're doing our best as motorists to make the road safer for cyclists. But, lads, you've got a role to play here too. 0818 96 96, 96.
8: The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel
0: Every year, we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more.
8: The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make...
11: You make me feel
0: only on Corks 96 FM.
8: This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan.
2: Corks 96 FM.
4: Marion, you'll be with me in just a moment. Just the Rod Stewart audio. People want me to play it again. There's a word left out in this clip from a Rod Stewart interview. I want you to guess the word. So give us the answer and your name. Text or WhatsApp 083 Three ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. 96 96 What word have we clipped out here?
11: You know, being a Celtic supporter, it's funny. I played in I kicked the ball out, and a woman broke her finger and she happened to be the Celtic women's goalkeeper. (laughs) Once in a million times.
4: The story is based on Rod Stewart as part of pretty much every gig. His backstage writer is there needs to be, I think it's 10 footballs ready for him to kick out into the crowd, he does it every. He did it in the marquee the the last time he was here, and he did it in he did it in uh, Creve as well, didn't he? I think I seem to remember he did it there too. But but he he does it a lot, uh, and that's where this comes. What, what word is left out here?
11: You know, being a Celtic supporter, it's funny. I played in. <laughs> I kicked the ball out, and a woman broke her finger, and she happened to be the Celtic women's goalkeeper. <laughs> Once in a million times.
4: Right. Okay. The answer in your name, please. Now, Marion, you are a cyclist and a driver, so you see both sides of this. Good morning.
17: Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, I have lived here now for 30 years, and I'm, I'm German, and I never wore a cyclist helmet in Germany all the years I was driving there, and I came to Ireland. Two weeks later, I had a helmet, Mm. <laughs> it is a different story to cycle here, yes.
4: I Isn't it compulsory now though to wear a helmet?
17: I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay,
4: okay. I don't know, to be honest.
17: Yeah. Me. <laughs> I um see that Ireland has come a long way and I feel there is slow motion towards cyclists, but um, the cyclists have to do things as well by wearing visibility, having their light, having a reflecting vest, having something to be seen. Mm -hmm. Because what happened to me, I was cycling on a dark um, day, Along of Road, and there came a cyclist out in the dark. I couldn't see it at all, yeah. and I had to swerve around not to kill that person. Yeah. And I ended up on a also unlit traffic island and broke my axle. So I'm walking now. I
4: see. Well, you were in the car that day, were you?
17: Yes, that okay. was in the car, and yeah. um, I was totally mad.
4: Yeah, <laughs> something well, I have noticed coming in in the morning. I, I drive in Douglas Road and there are one or two pinch points on Douglas Road where it's quite awkward to pass a cyclist. So I don't. I just hang back a little bit because eventually it'll come to a part of the road where it's wider. I just do that because it's it's a lot safer. The thing about it is, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm watching out for them or a good street lighting, I wouldn't see them. They have no they've no reflection or, reflect, reflect, reflective yeah. jacket on them or belt or anything.
17: Yeah, and that also means... Car drivers have to have their lights on, which they often don't do because I think I can still see. But uh, for car drivers, it's also necessary to have the lights on as soon as it's... I have my lights on all day. yes, yeah. Because Sweden, for example, they have their lights on all day and this is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm. They're, in, they're in, in the new cars now. There are lights that are on all the time. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing at all. As a cyclist, you're a cy- both a cyclist and, and a driver. Do you do you accept it when the people, you know, drivers, say, right? Well, we'll do everything we can for cyclists, but they need to stop going the wrong way down one-way streets. They need to stop doing that kind of thing. Sure.
17: I mean, if um, I have to go down somewhere, which I have to say I do sometimes as well, but then I would walk. I would walk on the side path, even if there is a side path, or uh, the little streets in the city near Mercy where you, you actually have to walk because it's no space for a car
4: and a bicycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are, but you, you're now, your car is off the road because of a broken axle because you had to swerve to avoid a cyclist that you couldn't see.
17: Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> that,
4: that sums it up. Marion, thank you. Please wear some kind of reflective. Vest on a bike, it would be greatly appreciated by everyone if you did. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, those pinch points on the Douglas Road, in particular there where you turn off, you come under the bridge out of Douglas, up past the there's one of the entrances to Douglas. Come there, up past there, there's a right pinch point there, and there's another one down as you go past. You go past the Briar Rose, just to go down the hill there by the way up to the swimming baths. There's an awful pinch point there. And it's just a nightmare. Because if they had put on some kind of reflector, you could see them. You see, you might see the reflector at the back of the bike. But like, it's, it's even this morning now. And the mornings are starting to brighten up a little bit. There was one guy just... And he... I, I just held back a little bit. Because, look, I'll get around him maybe 100 yards up the road. I wasn't in a hurry. I wasn't late or anything. But, like, if I was in a hurry or if I wasn't keeping my eye on the road... He was. There wasn't room to get between me and the wall. Do you know, 96, 96, 96. Uh, Tony was on, asking if we could send our condolences to Gina, of the famous Gina and the Champions. Uh, Gina's real name, of course, Mary Hurley uh, on the death of her sister Bridie. Very sorry to hear that. Very sorry to hear that. I played after. Gina and the champions so many times DJing. And that, that's and Gina herself, Mary, is a lovely, lovely woman. And that's sad news. Our condolences there. 0818 96 96. On trying to contact <laughs> utilities and large companies and they tell you our system makes it easy. No, it doesn't. In the recent weeks, says Tom, I had to ring Bank of Ireland and the security system they use wouldn't recognize me. In trying to get onto them, I ended up taking four or five days to get through to a human being. Yeah, it's just bonkers. Like, he was there before and he was great. Ooh, There's a video somewhere out there on Facebook of myself and my sister and my sister in law and my daughter and my mother bopping in the stand at Musgrave Park to, I think, that song. I think it might be that song. George Ezra, Budapest on Corks ninety six FM 0818 oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now John Dolan has been writing in the Echo as he does every week, and he always is having a little a little crib about something. We we've we've just come through our first bank holiday of twenty twenty three. Our new bank holiday, Saint Bridget's holiday, if you want to call it that, Saint Bridget's Monday. Um, John, you wanted on a, you wanted, you, you'd have preferred it on a Friday. Is that because you work a lot of bank holidays? Good morning.
3: Yeah, good morning, PJ. Well, yeah, not really, no. I mean, I, I look, I was just putting it out there. It was obviously, this is our first uh, shiny new bank holiday, our 10th yeah. of the year. Um, and, just, you know, I just thought, look, a month, the first Monday in February, I mean, uh, do you know, it's... It's, such a, it's a miserable time, it's, you know, the days are short, and people haven't got much money, um, isn't it kind of wasted, you know, and I, that, then it got to me thinking, okay, if, if you had bank holidays in the summer, I think we'd all, you know, we, we associate bank holidays with the, going to the beach and having an ice cream and, and going days out, don't we, and uh, you're not going to do that in, in February. And then it got me thinking about the actual day itself, why do we have Monday off, you know, why, do, why, why is that? I mean, obviously Easter Monday, fair enough, um, but you know, March the 17th, we followed that all around the, the days of the week, don't we? me and uh, i just thought look i'd rather have a long if we're gonna have a long weekend i'd rather have the friday off than the monday friday is, is a happy day you know friday makes you smile monday mm, you know rainy days and mondays and i don't like mondays so yeah it just got me thinking because this is obviously going to be something that's going to um mm. you know they're, they're going to introduce more bank holidays i think in the coming
4: years because you hey, hope so we yeah you were doing you were doing the sums actually in your <laughs> piece john and we've got 10 now 10 public yeah, bank holidays. Still not many. <laughs>
3: yeah. still not many I mean I think the, the EU average is, is, is nearly 13 they have 11 in Scotland for instance um, some countries have many more but yeah so we are a bit behind the curve anyway so and hey what politician wouldn't like to give us a bank holiday surely it's a vote winner if anything uh, it's a nice populist move but yeah I mean there, there is a clamour there for more bank holidays but I'm just thinking well look why are we so beholden to Monday you know why do it have to be a Monday um, you know other, other countries in Europe don't do this I think this is some uh, ancient law going back to Britain I think Victorian Times, they introduced mm. this this law which made Monday the kind of day for it. Now, that might have suited the banks, hence the bank holiday, but you know, does it suit everybody else, do you, know, yeah. do, do you know? I, I was on
4: holiday would... last summer, actually, in, in, in Tenerife, and mm. the banks were all closed on a Wednesday. Yes, yes. It was a bank a day. And I thought, actually, to me, that sounds a bit like you don't get the benefit if the extra day's holiday, and if we're all closed, right, if the extra day's is holiday's is on a Wednesday, that ruins it. Extend the weekend.
3: Yeah, but that, I mean, that, that was my thinking. But I thought, if you're going to extend the weekend, I'd much rather finish on a Thursday and have a great Friday, a great Saturday, a great Sunday. Because, you know, Monday, it's just, you know, a dreary Monday in February. I know. Look, I'm going to sound like a moaning, and um, lots of people will, will point out that the first, you know, between January the 1st and March the 17th, we don't have anything. And it can be a miserable time yeah. of year. And a duvet day, perfectly understandable yesterday,
4: I'm sure. Well, well uh, there's the thing. We've had now, since we've got this one for St. Bridget, this St. Bridget's Day, Mm. like, we now have that huge long run between January and Patrick's Day. That at least is broken.
3: Yeah, I guess you could argue that, and lots of people did. It was interesting because, you know, normally, you know, on social media, it's it's a bit of a, a bare pit, isn't it? But on this particular story, there were lots of comments, and it was roughly 50-50, you know, half the people said, I'd oh, have made a good point, and the other half says, oh, no thanks, like you've said, it's great to break up this long stretch in the winter between New Year and St. Patrick's Day, when sort of spring, you know, more or less begins for everybody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, was, I just, you know, it was an interesting debate, and it, it's got lots and lots of traction mm. out there, we- I, mean, I must Stuck a nerve
4: with a few people. We, we do need another one. I would, I would put another yeah. one between. Sort of, we've got the one in August, mm. and we, we another big long break then between then and the jazz. So we need something in September now.
3: Yeah, although I, somebody else said, look, between the jazz and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November, early December, because mm. that would be a great time for people to get the tree, put the decks up, you know, all those mm, things and do too. a bit of shopping, you know. I, there, there I, I that. prefer
4: to break my year up, though, myself. I like to be, I like to never mm. go more than eight weeks without something nice like a long weekend.
3: Something to look forward to. Yeah. I know. No, you're right. No, but it's, it's been a great talking point, and, and it's going to come up again because, as I say, you know, we, we, they're going to have to introduce a few more. I mentioned in my mm. column that uh, Saint Dymphna. Um, I think her day is in May. If they're going to have another female right. saint in, the, in a similar vein to Bridget, then that might be a good one. And May will be a great time. For uh, and the bank thing holidays. is,
4: I've heard of Saint Bridget. Never heard of Saint Dymphna though.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's, do you know it, She's an interesting character, like they all were back in those days. Yeah. There's
4: 14, 14 bank holidays in Spain.
3: Yeah, I mean, and cheapest. You know, some of them have like lots and lots of them. Fourteen's an awful lot, isn't it? I think um, Finland, Cyprus get fifteen each year. Um, I think India has the most. They have twenty-one. Yeah, uh, maybe a lot of religious, uh, bank, you know,
4: public oh, holidays. Oh yeah, there's Gandhi's yeah. Gandhi's, Gandhi's birthday. I, I, I happened to be in <laughs> India one time for Gandhi's birthday, and we oh, had a holiday. Yeah, it's a holiday, right? But it's a dry holiday. But yeah, I mean, Can I, I get I, a drink. It, <laughs> yeah,
3: I get a drink. Anyway, just like the Good Friday of the past, yeah. That's right. but it's, but it's true, but you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, in other countries, they have a, sec, a set date for the bank holiday in Europe, and that, obviously that changes, like our St. Patrick's Day, it changes every year, so it could be on a Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. and if it's at the weekend, you get the Monday off, or, or, the, or and, the Friday. And then,
4: uh, as, a, as a blow in yourself, you'll, you'll <laughs> know this, in Britain, you, you spoil yourselves, you've two in May and two in August.
3: Yeah, they're all crammed in between, but, but they're good times to have them, aren't they? You know, in that time of year, as long. long <laughs> It's days, you know, you can, have a, you can have a pint in the sun, you know, and ice cream out on the beach. It's it's just, if you're going to have a day off, everyone. and of course there's lots of people in retail listening to this saying, we don't get a bank yeah, holiday off ever, you know. Yeah, and a, lot there. Of
4: people, a lot of people as well who are employers will say, hang on a second, costs yeah. cost me a lot of money to pay someone to work in a bank holiday. We don't need any more of them.
3: Absolutely, yeah, there's a the business side to it as well. So yeah, but yeah, I think they, they, they will definitely slip in a few more, but they'll have to find reasons or, or people to, to have bank holidays to name yeah. them after it, if you like
4: you know yeah. so good debate anyway <laughs> <laughs> we'll see where it goes John thank you John Dolan you can read him every uh, week in the Echo he's their features editor he's also the editor of the Holly Bell yeah we've only got 10 which we think we're okay well, what have we got now we've got St Bridget's in February we've got Paddy's Day and if it falls at the weekend we get the Monday we've got obviously at uh, Easter time, which Easter Monday, which this year is in early April. We've got the May bank holiday. We've got the June bank holiday. We've got the August bank holiday. And then a great big long stretch until the Jazz Weekend bank holiday. And then it's Christmas. So be nice to slip something in there sort of at the middle of September, which would break up that big long stretch. So maybe one more. And John says maybe two more. Maybe get one at the end of November would be nice. Maybe two more. Definitely one more anyway. Break up that big long hour stretch between about the eighth and ninth of August, which is lovely, into September, into Oct By the time it gets to the end of October, you are knackered, looking for a long weekend off, and that would be. So that's that'll be my campaign now. Can we get another day in? <laughs> because it was Amel May started this, I think. It was Amel de May started this campaign to get the bank holiday for St Bridget's Day. Can we start one now? Is there someone around September? Is there someone important around September that we could maybe have a bank holiday for in the middle of September, or maybe the beginning or end of September, to break up that big long that big long stretch between August and and the jazz? Four, look, there's 14 of them in Spain. We have some ground to make up here. We absolutely have some ground to make up. Then some people were saying that Saint Bridget's bank holiday came too early in the year because we're all too broke after Christmas to bring the kids to a hotel. In February, that, that's, that's true too. What do we do yesterday? We actually, yesterday, <laughs> it had been such a lovely day and it was gorgeous. I was out the back. I decided to clean my shed. Um, so I got shed sorted and tidied so I can now find things, which would be fine. And then the missus decided, you know that big tree that we all thought was dead? Yes, yes, we had a big tree down the end of the garden. We all thought it was dead. We thought the thing was dead and then last year it sprouted and sprouted and sprouted and the thing is huge right so she said start pruning that because if it grows again like it did last year it'll overshadow the house so we ended up not just pruning it but I I have a a chainsaw I bought in Aldi I don't know how long ago and it has a pole on it and you can extend the chainsaw to about 8 foot high so I'm there on in the afternoon, we just said the tree was practically felled by the time we were finished. Now we have to get rid of all the twigs and branches, but that's the, So that's what I spent yesterday doing on the bank holiday. My arms are throbbing from the effort of it today. So the next one is the next one is Paddy's day, and that's a, is that a it's a Friday this year. So so there's John getting his holiday on a Friday. Oh eight one eight ninety six.
0: 96.96 Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is The Opinion line with PJ Coogan Coach 96fm
4: Had a whole bunch of comments to do on Susan and her situation in Blarney I'll try to get to some of them before we finish but if you heard Susan earlier on uh, if you, Well, we will podcast her again, but if you are listening to her on playback of the show later on, if you'd like to help in any way, the best thing to do is go back to Ken Smullen, who is coordinating the efforts for her, and will organise everything. If you want to do something for her, uh, he'll help you to make that happen. And his number, you get him on Facebook, if you just look him up on Facebook, but 085 1432898 is his number and i will get to some of those comments before we finish. Colin Farrell he seems to be almost if you listen to crossy anyway, he seems to be almost a shoe in for that best actor oscar on the 12th of march for the banshees and he's he's already got a golden globe and he won something else the other night at another awards ceremony and now he may well be an Oscar winner uh, very soon, we would hope. At least he's an Oscar nominee. Adrian McCarthy of McCarthy's Bar. It's a good job you unbarred him, isn't it? Good morning.
6: <laughs> good morning. Yes, it's a good job I unbarred him. What,
4: what happened? Because I know your place. What happened?
6: Well, it's, it was 26 years ago, and he was only 19, and he was new out of acting school. I think he'd just finished in Ballycus Angel. And he came down and then they had three months in Bearer and they had wild times. And at 19, sure, we're all wild and misbehave. But really, after three months of it, I just got a bit sick of it. And he was outrageous. So I just had enough and said, right, that's it. You're out. <laughs> and um, which which he did. So that was fine. so all was fine until 12 years later. We heard when he was very famous and well-known that he was coming back to make another film. So I was in a bit of a state about that
4: hmm he, he was filming, was it Undine or Undine? Maybe?
6: Yes, he came back to film Undine, yes. and um, But luckily he came in and he was just so pleased to be back in Barra, uh, so pleased to see us and just wanted to see the bar was the same and that the Pugs were still here. And that Did we he were remember that you'd barred him? Uh, uh, well, he said he couldn't quite remember, but <laughs> we had a laugh about it. <laughs> and uh, he was back actually just a few months ago as well. He had his son on a road trip on the World Atlantic Way yeah. And he called in again. So, uh, so it's fine. So we're just friends for 26 years and yeah. we understand each other now and we've come to an agreement.
4: I've I've never met him um at all and I don't know if I ever will, but he comes across as a terrible nice fella.
6: Ah, well, he's just so grounded and he's never forgotten his roots and he's just so proud to be Irish and you could see how proud he was to show his son Ireland. And um, he's just, you know, he he remembers everyone and he's, he's just normal and just uh, very down to earth and just a great friend.
4: And a remarkable actor.
6: Well, absolutely. And uh, we're so proud and it's great to have watched him grow, you know, when we think that um, we've seen him since he was 19. And he's just uh, amazing. But again, you know, just completely normal and very grounded.
4: Yeah, he doesn't boast about being a star. He doesn't ever... Sort not of, at all, He never no. pulls the do you know who I am kind of thing?
6: You must be joking. No, not at all. No, just very normal and a, a good Irish man. Do,
4: does he like a pint?
6: Uh, well, he used to in the, the early days, but uh, he doesn't drink anymore. And then he was an absolute devil for cigarettes and he doesn't smoke anymore. Yeah. So now he's more interested in Pilates and yoga and healthy living and... Um, just enjoying his it, it family. Doesn't, it doesn't sound um, <laughs> very
4: very wild childy, does it anymore?
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, he he certainly was in those days. I can tell you.
4: <laughs> so yeah. So will you be up late watching him on the is it the twelfth of March?
6: Um, probably not. I'll just wait to hear the news because we're, we're proud of him no matter what, and um, just very glad that he's you know comes back to bear. Fantastic. He we're left we're it. Well, if he, if, no if, he lifts,
4: if he lifts if he the Oscar, and a lot of people are saying it's it's his to lose that. You know, you never know. He might come down, he might bring it down and take a picture at the yeah. bar with you. How nice that would be. Come here, yep, pub as trade. Long
6: as he <laughs>
4: <himself>. <laughs> Adrian, we've been hearing so many stories about the pub trade. Just one other pub went out of business last week in, in Crosshaven. A pub in the city got a, an electricity bill for January of 13,000 euro. It's is scary, it? It's yeah. very hard, is it?
6: Uh, it's hard, but look, um, you know, the days are getting longer, and we were wondering what the new bank holiday would bring, but actually we were pleasantly surprised, and I think people are embracing that, you know, the, the pubs are open, and mm. they're doing what they're doing, and, uh, you know, take one day at a time, and last year was better than the year before, and hopefully this year will be better again, so we live in hope.
4: Yeah, the en- energy bills are cruel. Cool. Is its it... Is it- do you use less or more energy in in the warm months of the year?
6: Um, it depends because you know you're busier, and then you've got the ice machine going more, yeah. and the glass washers and the dishwashers, um, and then you've probably got more music and musicians are using it. So uh, you know it balances out, I suppose, really. But yeah. uh, look, you just have to be careful. And to be honest, you know the government are helping, and yeah, you have to. Have to try. I
4: think people are acknowledging that that look the bills are enormous but there is help there. Yeah.
6: There is. There is and, and to be honest they were so good to us during covid. So yes. um I think they will they, they'll and everybody's in the same boat every republican is the same it's, so It's tough. We'll have to get through it. it yeah.
4: It's tough. All right, listen Deb. Thank you Adrian. If I'm down that neck of the woods over the summer I'll be in for the pint but that's uh, a friend of Colin Farrell. Wild child as he was, she barred him and now they're best pals. It's great, and good luck to him when it comes up in the twelfth of March. He is almost—they believe, they say—a shoe in for the uh, best actor Oscar for Banshees of he Got another, picked up another clatter of awards over the weekend, and it's funny, you know, when you go and you look. Online to social media, and you see people watching it, and they're saying this and that about it. Some people are absolutely loving it. No, I haven't actually watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet, for the simple reason is I'm kind of afraid in my life of what I'll think of it. I am also going to sit down and watch uh, on Colleen Quinn very soon because there's a, an old mine from Eurovision Adventures of the Past. Uh, Carrie Crowley is one of the the lead characters in on Colleen Quinn, and I've got to sit down and watch that before. Oscar's night because it looked like a right charmer of a movie. 0818 96, 96, 96. Right, what are we going to do? Oh yes, Rod Stewart. Hold on a tick now. Here is the word we wanted. What is the word we wanted here?
11: You know, being a Celtic supporter, it's funny. I played in. <laughs> I kicked a ball out, and a woman broke her finger, and she happened to be the Celtic women's goalkeeper. <laughs> Once in <laughs> a million times. Donna. Hi. Where Hi do you? you. Where,
4: what? What's the word you think he left out? Glasgow. Glasgow. Let's see if you're right.
11: You know, being a Celtic supporter, it's funny. I played in Glasgow. Yeah. I kicked the ball out Mm -hmm. and a woman Mm -hmm. broke Mm -hmm. her finger and she happened to be the Celtic women's goalkeeper. You're after after
4: winning. You're, You're after winning. So you have got two tickets to go see him at the marquee on the 20th of June. Have you seen him before?
17: No, I've never seen him. And I was going to buy tickets this time to go see him.
4: Well, you don't have to buy them anymore now. You've got them on me. Thank you so much. All right, 28th of Junior will be there. Trust me, it is two hours plus mm. of um, all the hits. He's seventy eight years of age. Mm-hmm. He jumps around the stage like he was twenty eight.
13: I'd say there are night to mind the two
4: hours. Yeah, he's no, he's fantastic. it'll be my, it'll be my mm. I think fourth time to see him. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to it like it was the first time. So Donna oh, yeah, Murphy
10: thank you so much.
4: Donna Murphy in Torque, our mm-hmm. first winner this week. Thank you. Uh, with Live at the Marquee, going to see Rod Stewart on the 20th of June. A pair of tickets every day for you this week. It, trust me when I tell you. It's worth seeing. Listen, just on a sad note before I finish. There was um, a lady passed away at the weekend. She was a politician. Her name was Neve Vranach. And a lot of younger listeners might never have heard of her. She was 77. She passed away at the weekend. The president and all paid tribute to her. But I know it's expensive to go to college these days. Very expensive to go to college. Very expensive to stay in college. Very expensive to... But it would be an awful lot more expensive to go to college were it not for the work of Neve Rannock. Because she was the first woman the first member of the Labour Party ever to hold the office of Minister for Education and the thing that she did that stays with us to this day was she abolished tuition fees for college you have the registration fee to pay which is something like three grand or something but she abolished tuition fees so she did and she passed away over the weekend at the age of 77 The late Neve Vranach just coming back to Susan and and her story which she told us this morning having written to Ken Smullen, and then Ken spoke to Gareth on Friday and then Susan spoke to me this morning and, and her story is, is, is heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking uh, there's a three bedroom house in Ballanderry Park all done up 50,000 euro put into it it's been vacant for the past year why can't that be given to her? A council house, I'm assuming, up there. It's a joke, says Tom. People like Susan are all over Cork in damp houses. The landlords just don't care. They just want the cash. Why be so unhappy living in damp places and making landlords happy? It's a disgrace. I'm a landlord. I'd be disgusted to have a place like that. Uh, They won't accept Hap. Donna's, or not Donna, um, Susan's landlord won't accept Hap. They won't accept HAP because the government will rip them apart if any bit of their taxes aren't correct. It's not worth it. I take it that's from a landlord who also doesn't accept HAP. Right. Paul says they should be reported to the authorities. And there were pages more of responses to Susan's story, which we will put up as a podcast uh, very, very shortly. And of course, you'll be able to get the whole show on catch-up by mid-afternoon. That's it. Programme today, edited by Imre O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Dermot Kennedy,
2: live in Las Vegas, May 19th. So kiss me
0: the way
8: we
0: Stay there with Cork's 96FM. Paradise.
2: It's just the most beautiful sport from home, so thank you so much.
0: Return flight. Five
2: nights in Vegas.
0: Spending money.
2: And tickets to see.
0: Dermot Kennedy. We used to be dead.
2: Listen to Cork's 96FM weekdays for the hits of Dermot Kennedy.
0: Every time they play, text or WhatsApp in for your chance to win. Once upon a time. time.
2: Kennedy, live in Las Vegas. Stay
0: listening to see him for free. Thank you for
2: supporting his music. Starts Monday on Corks 96FM.
8: A lot can happen in three years.
9: Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip?